0: Welcome, everybody, to the Gate Expectations podcast, where I bring in a weekly guest and talk all things Yu-Gi-Oh! and get to know a little more about each person I talk to. This is episode three, and if you haven't checked it out yet, you can check out my earlier podcast with the pen guide, Stephen Trifanosky, and arguably one of the best players in the world, Jesse Cotton. They'll be on my channel here at GateGuardian44 on YouTube and several other platforms, including Facebook, Patreon, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So go check that out. My guest for this week has 4,000 subs on YouTube on his channel, Senior Blanco 88 He's been a longtime moderator on Pojo.com, which is arguably one of the biggest Yu-Gi-Oh forums out there before, you know, Zodiac Duelist and Facebook took over. 17-time regional top-A player, it's Jeffrey Lang. Jeff, man, thanks for coming on to the show. Yeah, man. Long time no talk. It's great talking to you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Of course. Absolutely, man. You're a long time dear friend of mine. And, you know, a lot of people may not know who you are. You're wondering who you are, why I brought him on here. You know, I wanted to bring on more of a legacy player, you know, he was a big part of the game back in the day. And you've been playing this game for like how long? Uh,
1: 2004, so 16 years.
0: Yeah, 2004, which is a long time. I think I started around uh, 2003. So yeah. we, we've been around this game for a long time, you know, and I know that you, you still play, not quite to the competitive degree that, you know, at least that I'm on, because I like to try to play in- extremely competitive. I know you play more, uh, more like kind of like fun decks or just try to bring like a, a lower tier deck and try to top with it. I know you're still competitive in Pretty that sure. regard. Yeah, in that regard. But, you know, both of us, you know, we've been around the block several times. And we've seen the game like, evolve into what it is today. And that was a big reason why I wanted to bring you on, because you were instrumental back then, back yeah, in the old you. legacy thank days. Yeah. 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 And, and of course, we were both moderators on pojo.com, and that was a, a big site. And we were on there for
1: so long. Yeah, I, I, think, I, I think I think it was upwards to 2010. I was a moderator. I was writing articles. We I actually think you did a part of the middleman trading. We had a little system on POJO where we were a middleman, and we would help two people complete a trade. So yeah, that was really cool stuff. So yeah, we
0: definitely did that. Sure. I was definitely a part of that just for a short uh, time, though. Uh, I used to do a lot of trading. Then I went a little bit less and less online as we went along. But, yeah, I was part of the middleman trading. And you also had your own uh, own little segment on the POJO main site, uh, Lang's yep. Learning Corner Center. I remember that from a while ago. Yeah. So let, let's start yep. off with that, man. You've had over 100 articles on that thing. Over 200, I should say. Uh, yep. What was that all
1: about? So – I I think, you know, so first and foremost, I guess let's kind of backtrack a little bit. So, you know, I, I started playing in like 2004. I think I was in high school and I just saw people playing, you know, at the Kitchen table, or not kitchen. I'm sorry, but the lunch table. Um, and I was just like, "Wow, what's this?" Like I heard of Pokemon, and I never even heard of Yu-Gi-Oh. And you know, it was 2004, and you know, I think that the game actually came out maybe in 02. So I, I guess I was a little behind in the times. But kind of once I saw it, I, I don't know what it was, but it just drew me in. And then from there, I started watching the show, started collecting cards, and I think even at the beginning, much like a lot of players, you know, you were playing using the anime roles. Right. So it's just like turn one, drop blue eyes, white dragon, and all <laughs> that. Right. So it's like, you know, I was just playing very casually. And uh, you know, shortly down the line I, you know, discovered, you know, local shops. And then from there I started to get my itch to kind of just learn the game a little better and get a little better at the game. And then from there, you know, eventually then I did discover that Pojo dot And from there, you know, I did a lot of trading. I I did a lot of, you know, posting here and there, you know, helping people with decks. Um, People would help me, you know, so on and so forth. And as, you know, I kind of grew in popularity, I guess, a little bit. And then from there, then I started to post articles on POJO. So, you know, as I became, you know, a little more known, I I guess, in the world, um, you know, I really aspired to try and help people out there and you know there's certainly you know there's a very big world of the competitive players but there's also a lot of casual players too and from there i just solely just enjoyed passing along any knowledge that i could uh help whoever that i could and you know kind of the end goal you know if i'm able to help someone in some way then it was well worth it for me
0: you know the funny thing about all, all this is that um... I have a fun little anecdote that does kind of relate to you in a sense. So first of all, uh, you're from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I am. Yep. Yep. And funny enough, I actually have family in the Pittsburgh area. So how I got into Yu-Gi-Oh! Strangely enough, like I did watch the show here and there. And uh, when I went to go visit my my second cousins and my cousins out in Pittsburgh, uh, they were into Yu-Gi-Oh! at the time too. Like they had the cards. I never had the cards because... Back when Pokemon cards ruled the roost, way back when nobody knew yeah. how to play the game, of course. No. As you mentioned with Yu-Gi-Oh! nobody knew how to play. So I didn't want to do that with Yu-Gi-Oh!. I didn't want to just collect the cards and then not play it with the right rules because if nobody knew how, to, knew how to play it. Yeah. But then once I actually played it with my cousins, and I, I really real thoroughly enjoyed it, I'm like, okay, I gotta get myself some Yu-Gi-Oh cards when yep. I get back to Canada. So and, and play this hard. game. Yeah. yeah. And that's what happened. And and yep. it was Pittsburgh that really got helped me get into it which is funny enough
2: yeah
0: and then that, that's that's where i am now and you're you're from pittsburgh and i've seen you in pittsburgh yeah. whether we've had events we've we had a couple of nationals hosted there and yep. where i just go visit family and then i just hit up the local car shop and saw you there so we, we've seen each other in inside of yeah. events which is pretty cool yeah so i thought yeah. that was a pretty yeah. fun little
1: anecdote yep And it's very interesting, right, because you're from Canada, I'm from the United States. And, you know, you would think that, you know, what are the odds that two people from two different countries, you know, would kind of meet in the same city? You know, you have relatives and, you know, we met up there. We already knew each other from the forums. But then, you know, once you came down to see family, you know, that was very, uh, you know, very cool thing. And I think on top of that, I'm sure you could talk upon 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 this. Um, So we actually played inside of a Kmart in a little scene. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh so, God. Oh, not this, many people stories. I could say they did that. Yeah. Oh
0: God. The, the stories from that, first of all, is yep. going to get to me because at that time when I went there, uh, we have Kmart in Canada, not anymore though. That, Stopped like oh well, that shut down like a while ago. Yeah, so a lot was, of those
1: are uh, gone now. I think. Yeah,
0: but at that at that time, this was when uh, I think this was around two thousand and nine. This was when like black wings were prevalent. Dark Strike Fighter was out, which which was like yeah, the, one of the sounds, biggest. Records. It was that format that happened. Yeah, and. God, going back to Kmart just rehashed so many old memories for myself. I used to play video games all the time in Kmart because mm-hmm. they'd always have yep. the station. And I remember my first match, my very first match, playing in a Pittsburgh local. Yeah, I was playing against this guy playing lights, uh, not playing lights one. He was also playing like a, a dad variant as well. Yeah, and I actually made him not cry, but he was very close. Yeah, because I yep. pulverized him, and then he actually called his. Mother to take him home, yeah. Because I beat him so badly, I I think he was, I think he was yeah. a little bit mentally disabled. So I think th- there was a little bit of that. But I'm like, yeah. man, I never thought I'd make a guy cry like that. I'm like, oh, I I, yeah. I feel rotten.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it, it it was nothing you personally did, but um, yeah. You know, I, I guess a lot of people wouldn't know this, but it's like Pittsburgh was pretty competitive in Yu-Gi-Oh. I I mean, we're still pretty competitive, but it's mm-hmm. like back in the day when we had Upper Deck, right? We had all the ranking system, and you yep. know, I was in the top 50 in the United States, like ranking. We used to get points and all that. I, maybe mm-hmm. they did that nowadays in Konami, but um, I don't know. We might have had like five or six people in the top 50, and like you were mm-hmm. at that local at the mall inside of the Kmart, but then also right up the street, there was another local, and those two stores just clashed. In a competitive yep. way, but you know, just yep. <laughs> just fighting back and forth, and you know, lots of heated arguments and crying, and it's like, but you know what? At the same time, like we always tried to push one another to be the best that we could. Yeah, I, I believe the that local we went to, I think it was called the Phantom
0: of the, Phantom of the Attic. Yeah, that's correct. if I recall correctly. Yep. Yeah, that yep. was the one that I played at when I met you the first time uh, yep. in Pittsburgh, at least anyway, outside of yep. outside of Nationals. Yeah. And then I remember we went I I came back again for another year. I forget what year it was offhand. It was like the it was like the late two thousands, I wanna say, like two thousand ten or somewhere around that time frame. And I went to another local. I forget what this one was called though. Yeah. If you remember that if you can remember that
1: one. Yeah, it it was probably Green Tree Sports Cards. That's right. That's yeah, that's that's the one because it was
0: actually a a ten minute drive away from uh, my aunt's house where i was staying at at the time so it was really close and honestly that pittsburgh trip that i took i was just there to visit family that's all it was we didn't really do anything exciting we were just there to spend time with family so honestly me bringing my Oh cards along and going to green tree was the highlight of me going there that's awesome i would just i would just wait for like playing the locals twice there yeah i think one was wednesday and one was saturday i was there for a week yeah Yep. Yes. Yeah. So that was. I've
1: certainly seen family. You know, that's one thing. But to be able to do a hobby that you love on top of that, I mean, makes it that much better.
0: So. It honestly made my week go by so much faster. I really wanted to go play there, and not to mention, you made it seem like
1: a bad thing making time go by. You know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, my family understood, considering I was pretty much at the house for the entire week, being there just visiting family. That's all we did. Just yeah, just. Just live as just live with the family for a week. That's all we did. I think we went out once just to go get frozen yogurt, but that was it. Other than that, uh, it was we didn't do any
1: shopping or anything like
0: that. It was oh, weird. Okay. It was weird. All I did was just hang out with you guys. So huh. for two days. Yeah, but Happy that's fun. we
1: made your uh, trip a little more exciting,
0: then. <laughs> <laughs> De- definitely that. I don't think I would have wanted to go really if it weren't for being able to go play Yu Gi Oh in another local because I love playing in different locals. Because first of all, yeah. I love, I love trading with people. That's one of the best. Oh, yeah,
1: for sure. And I love playing with we, we, we did it every time. Every yeah. time I saw you, we had to do a trade. So
0: Yeah, of course. And then I love yeah. – I just love playing different people. Yep. You yeah. know, it keep, keeps the game fresh for me. So th-
1: that was a great thing for me when
0: I came to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Actually, and, the first
1: – Yeah. First I, I time I came. That. Yeah, go ahead. I don't, I don't know if uh, anyone even remembers this, but even in your trade binder, how many Dons of lukes you had, so. <laughs>
0: well – my favorite number is forty-four, as yep. the end of my alias Gate Guardian forty-four. So that's yeah. why I decided to collect forty-four Donzalugs at the time because he was one of my favorite cards. So yeah. is Gate Guardian, uh, and I have what, I have forty ultra rare phronic Guardian Donzalugs. I have that's two. Awesome. I have two ultra rare Japanese ones. Okay. One super Japanese Donzaluk, and I also have a parallel rare Donzaluk. Okay. Yeah. So I, I awesome. I've, I've had that collection for. So long, I think since yeah. uh, God 2006, 2006, I believe, is when I completed that collection. Yeah. And for anyone that asks, I also do have 44 Gate Guardians as well to, yep. to match my name. Uh, not all of them are secret. I think about five or six of them are rares, and the rest are secret or ultra. I'll just yeah. put that collection online just to show everybody. Yeah. It. It's a fun little and collection.
1: I'll, I'll tell you what, though. Speaking of that, I mean, it's really something how high some of these cards are spiking all these old nostalgic cards i mean you know the game's yeah. been out what 18 years i think legend of blue eyes came out in 02 but no. just some of these cards are really spiking in value so that's just something and it's like i'm kind of kicking myself i didn't kick you know keep some cards the years. so
0: <laughs> well but, i mean we were we were both around during the, the 5d era the 5ds era yep. which was when the ghost rares started coming out and all of a sudden now they're Spiking in price, yeah. and it's crazy how people, how many people are after these cards. And to think, how many ghost rares have I gone through, like back and forth playing this game. And now all of a sudden, it's like, man, if I'd have just held on to those, yeah, just think
1: of how much more valuable my collection could have been. And speaking of that, right, like you look at a ghost rare, and it's just like, oh, that looks really cool. And it's like, yeah, they'll never stop making those. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? They did. <laughs> so they did. That, that's kind of why they spiked. So.
0: I remember during the Light Sworn format, where Honest was one of the Ghost Rares, people actually preferred the Secret Rare over the Ghost Rare, because first of all, Secret Rare for some reason, i and this is just me going off my anecdotal experience, yeah. that Secret Rares were more difficult to get than the Ghost Rares for Honest. And the Honest would also reflect some light. So if you had it in your hand and some light hit it, your opponent yeah. will be able to tell it that you've got an Honest in your hand, and that was one of the biggest traps that Light Sword would have back in the day, so people would want the secret rares to prevent that from happening.
1: Yeah, Yeah, but even, like, really cool, like, misprints, like, back in the day, that Rainbow Dragon that was, I believe, Rainbow Neos had the name, or, like, vice versa, like, I mean, I don't even know how much that is nowadays, but I feel like I had probably a handful because i was really big into buying and selling and that's actually what i did for a living while mm-hmm. I was at school so I, I did not have a regular job so i went through a lot of cards and now i'm kind of looking back and it's like yeah that <laughs> money helped me back then <laughs> school and all that but it's like it could be worth so much more right now
0: i remember when i first moved out of my house uh, i actually paid the first two months of my rent with you by selling Yu Gi Oh cards, so it's definitely played a, a vital role in my life. Yeah, it's a great feeling. I, <laughs> I think Super Viewer uh, Croy, that uh, stealth union, was also one of those other weirdly misprinted cards. I wasn't a ghost rare, but I think it, yeah. it was along those lines. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to see all these cards now the back in the five D's are, which you know, a lot of listeners right now, a lot of players may not have been been able to playing in that era. Yep, just kind of see all these cards go cards go, and we've seen this game evolve right from, you know, from its bare basics up until yeah. now where we're seeing, you know, 1st torn boards going absolutely crazy, and I'm thinking, wow, this game is a lot different from what it was before, you know, yeah. and...
1: Yeah, it, it's I- certainly something, because, like, when... You'll hear of like kind of jokes that people make up, you know, like on doling book, like people will be like, Oh, no exceeds, no link summons, no this, no that. And it's just like, it's kind of funny in a way, but then also at the same time, it's like, you know, that's kind of just the game that I remember, just bare bone basics where you could, you know, kind of use different strategies. And if you really put some time into it, you could do well. And now, you know, kind of nowadays, I don't think it's really there, but you know, it's kind of something I think is lacking, but you know, It is what it is, I guess. So,
0: no, there's an argument that I I keep seeing getting floating around, comparing Yu-Gi-Oh from what it then was before than what it was now. Is that it does take away a bit of creative playing as far as things go. Like nowadays, it's this is the uh, we have an optimum combo for this deck. Yep, get to it. That's what you have to do. Before in Yu-Gi-Oh when we played different decks, it was we were deciding: Do I want to set two back row, three back row? I don't know around you don't want to yep. commit to the board too much and like do i just want to set a monster maybe not set any traps just trying to lure them in you know it would encourage different play styles and it would encourage like a lot more like unique unique yeah. playability in the decks nowadays it's just let's just build the combo see if it can get broken
1: and yeah. go from there yeah yeah so. too totally different games. I mean, back in the day, and it's just, you know, it's the land I'm from, and that's when, you know, I played it the most, the most competitively, but it's just like, mm-hmm. just those one-for-one trade-offs, like playing Smashing Ground, Summon, Spirit Reaper, Attack, Nail a card, mm-hmm. like, that's just something you don't see nowadays, and it, it's just a whole different play style and wave thinking, so.
0: Yeah, because nowadays, you can, one card can turn into a potential plus four, plus five, where back then, like, one card, like, you have to make it last as much as you can to really get to, it, its full value out of it.
1: Yeah. 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 And, like, nowadays, like, with all the negations. And it's, like, at first when I read evenly matched, just, just to use for an example, I'm just, like, did I really read that correctly? Does that card really do that? And you can wipe that many cards off the field? Like,
0: yep. that's just crazy. And it's it's... I find it strangely balanced right now, just because of how many negates can pop on the board nowadays. Yeah. It's like, Okay, well, it's just
1: yeah. another card to evil, and I kind of always thought that about Maxi, you know, which that's, yep. you know that that's always a. Hot topic to talk about, but it's just like yeah, and with all these texts nowadays, like all these links, you know, link climbing and dropping all these negates and all that. I, I often wonder if Maxi is a needed card or not.
0: But yeah, that's that's always the argument here: if you yeah. want Maxi or don't want Maxi. I've seen arguments for both sides, and I, I, I'm on the board with with Maxi right now, just because I've played with it. Yeah, and I've been around it. It's like and, and it really limits. The plays that you can do when you're under Max C. It's like, do you want to go hard, or do you not want to go yeah. hard? But, but at the same time, it kind of shows a bit of restraint being yeah. able to play under those kind of floodgates. Yep. And that's, I think, a skill that I was that I've learned over time uh, being a legacy player. Yep. And um, like, I'll give you an example. Like you, when we had the event Yu-Gi-Oh Day, I'm sure you're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. The Yu-Gi-Oh Day's event. Yep. You know, some of them would be there would just be structure deck structure deck duels. Yeah. And that's where it would turn the game, it would rewind the game back to more of a more of like a caveman or not, I want to I don't want to say remedial state, yep. but a much more slower-paced game. Yep. Yep. And so many players that I played with at my own locals would, you know, wouldn't know how to play those kinds of decks. Yeah. Because they're so used to just, let's just fire off a combo and let's just see if I just hope my opponent can't stop me. Yep. With this, it's like, no, you now actually have to adapt an actual play style and play accordingly, like read your opponent and then go from there. It's a, it's a huge chess game. Yep. And that's something that I feel like you and I have been like thoroughly immersed in, uh, yep. in growing up with this game. And we've just kind of seen it kind of divulge into just combo splashing. Not to say that it's a chess game in itself in the newer formats. Yeah. I'll get to that shortly, yeah. but yeah. like, I, I bet that like, you kind of had that feeling too, going from, maybe, like, playing, like, today's
1: meta and then rewinding back a little bit if you played a structured... Oh, yeah. Yeah, completely different. So, whole different, you know, line of thinking and, you know, your plays and whatnot, so... And it's, it's amazing just seeing,
0: like, the newer players just kind of try to adapt to that system because I've exposed them a lot. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people just, you know, commit to the board so much, put all the resources on the field. I'm like, you can't do that. Yeah. You really can't do that in older formats... You will get punished hard. Yeah. I remember when Heavy Storm got banned, people thought, oh, we can set all, like, all our cards down. No,
1: Black Rose Dragon was also a card. Yep.
0: And you, you got to be foolish if you want to keep playing like that.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think it's certainly cool that, you know, if someone has been playing since the beginning or at least the you know, previous era, right, you kind of see the game evolve and you kind of just respect the game for what it was back then. But yep. I'm not so sure like today's players, if they kind of just got into the game when they're Link Summoning, right? Like, I don't know if they would appreciate kind of the old formats and the old decks and play styles and all that. And it's kind of a forgotten art because, I, you know, I think you can agree, like, people are really into, like, goat formats. I mean, personally, I didn't really like that format, but that was, you know, kind of a big one. But, you know, people kind of play Dragon Rollers, like Teledad, you know, here and (laughs) there. But it's like all these past formats or, like, past... Like, playstyles, even, like, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! tried to do, like, drafting, and it's, like, I don't know what it was, but it's, like, people yep. kind of just don't look to the past or, you know, alternate ways, I guess, as much.
0: Yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh! formats in this game, outside of advanced, haven't really taken off so well. I mean, yeah. I enjoy a good battle pack duel. Yeah. I yep. love those things. I yep. love those little drafts but compared to like magic the gathering which is a, an excellent game for for drafting you know Yu-Gi-Oh doesn't seem to have the same luster because there are so many cards in this game that are reliant on so many other cards and then not all of those cards are really I- existing in that in, in what you get so it's really hard to build any kind of synergy
1: at all when you do like these battle packs or even just like sealed drafts yeah yep yep yeah so like Yu-Gi-Oh now you know it's had the advanced format for i don't know how long now i mean you originally just started with one format then you broke off and had advanced and traditional then you had yep. uh battle pack which that really didn't take off uh speed dole is still out right now i don't know how well that's mm-hmm. doing um mm-hmm. but yeah you know, Duel links is definitely huge and i think that's because it's you know a portable mobile game and you know that that seems to probably be their second most popular thing behind advanced format, or maybe yep. even bigger than advanced, but it's like I never once have heard someone really talk about traditional formats, speed, dole, any of that. So I, I don't know what it is, but all these like alternative plays for you know, play styles for the most part, they kind of just don't see love. So it's kind of shame, but I don't know.
0: Well, it's kind of the future of Yu Gi Oh! too. It's it's mobile gaming as well, That that's a big yeah. thing right now. So being able to release like some form of Yu-Gi-Oh! on on their mobile phone is definitely something that people would love to get into. And, you know, this is one of the things that we've actually seen take off at least on the World Championship stage. We've seen, like, Speed Duel World Championships happen. And we we haven't seen any other format like that before. I mean, we've had uh, video games championships. We've had those World Championships, which I I thought was cool. I love those. And I played almost every single World Championship Yu-Gi-Oh! game that's come out. I love it. I think it's actually a great form of training. Honest, honest to God. Oh yeah, definitely.
1: definitely. I love
0: playing. I love playing those video games, but for sure, yeah, we don't really see a lot of alternative formats in Yu-Gi-Oh that really take off and do well. But I, I would argue that Goat format right now is probably the most popular one that isn't like recognized by Konami. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. One thing I was always curious on. I mean, I'm sure it's you know something legal. Um, but I always wondered why Konami, you know, couldn't have, you know, side, you know, old old formats, I, I guess, like for side events and whatnot at YCS mm-hmm. and all that. So it, it would just be something really cool. And like, even for like, you know, speed duels that's out now, I, I don't know how well that's doing. But, you know, speed mm-hmm. duels essentially is dole links. But also mm-hmm. in the same way, I think that'll be as close to the old school Yu-Gi-Oh that we'll ever get. So. It, it is style it, yeah, because it is fairly simplified.
0: Like call it Yu-Gi-Oh Light, if you will. But it, yeah. it also has its own like strategy in itself too, like yep. some different strategies that you would never ever try in the actual game itself. I'm seeing you know de- decks in that regard being like top tier decks, like Amazon. is one of the big ones that's that yep. was out in speed duels in the early going. Like Blue Eyes was big there. Yeah, um, I think sub sub even uh, does really well in that format. Yep. and then yep. but. But, you know, maybe some of the decks that you would see in Duelix maybe not quite equate as well into current gear You're Like Amazonas right now, that's never been competitive at all. Yeah, I don't remember
1: that in regular advanced format ever. No, not, but, not, at, not at all. No, yeah. I haven't seen that at but all. But that's what makes that cold, right? Like you see cards or decks, and it's like normally they wouldn't be able to see the light of day, but now mm-hmm. they have a chance to, you know, maybe compete mm-hmm. elsewhere. So,
0: And I see this a lot too with... A lot of Facebook groups that run their own little Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments. They they have these rogue they have these rogue tournaments where they say like you okay, okay, can't have these metadex here and uh, and then go ahead and see who wins and you win this prize. Like I, I see that a lot happening nowadays was kind of cool for creativity, but it's yeah. something I don't see like Konami really embrace or anything like that. It, it, and I think they could really support like a good goat format. I don't know
1: Definitely.
0: why that is. That's, that's
1: something I would really love to get the bottom to.
0: Get the get, get bottom of the barrel to, geez. I,
1: I, I think I've kind of read this somewhere and it kind of makes sense, but it's like when you compare comparative players to like casual players or people that just buy packs I I mean I would say that there's more players that are casual right Mm -hmm. so it's like if you could find a way to pull those players in I mean even Mm -hmm. doing a comparison like back in the day with Shonen Jump Days which a lot of you listening to this wouldn't even know what that is Um, (laughs) but it's like you know we had what like two 300 person tournaments and we thought that was big and it's like the people at top you knew everyone they all kept topping over and over and all that Mm -hmm. but it's like nowadays what was the biggest event ever like four thousand in la like that is absolutely madness
0: yeah i think it was
1: an a- a- anaheim i think that happened Earth, it was yeah. a sc- crazy,
0: num- crazy number crazy yeah. number but
1: like even at that like i've seen the game progress i've seen the game grow but it's like even at that it's just like what about those random people walking in the target or what about those random people walking into a card shop? Do they know about these tournaments? I mean, I think that, you know, if you could find a way to reach out to them, maybe give them Mm -hmm. a certain you know format or something like I totally get like with the plays you see nowadays, you know, with Mm -hmm. emancipators and Eldlich and all that and just all these decks that just tee off. It's just like, that may not be very fun for someone to play in that but you know just the casual world of it and it's mm-hmm. kind of funny me saying that because you know i kind of went from you know being a casual just a little kid right i got really competitive into it i talked a whole lot and then from there then kind of just as i started to grow away from the game a little bit like i'll still go mm-hmm. to events like in my neighborhood but it's like i'm having fun more now so it's kind of mm-hmm. like i did a whole 180 on how i used to think on things but mm-hmm. yeah
0: and I've seen the transition of when Upper Deck used to distribute the cards and kind of be in charge of the game. And then Konami took over after that huge lawsuit that happened way back when. Oh, uh, like, exactly. Yeah. When Konami decided to make the game more friendly towards newer players. like yeah. Before an Upper Deck, we, it used to be the better that you did at a, at a tournament – the more packs you would get at the end of the day. So it wouldn't encourage people. So it discouraged people from going 0-2 drop. Yeah. yeah. Nowadays, it's every person gets packs. Yeah. I think they've made the game a lot easier now to, to be good at because it, it took me two years before I actually got competent in the game, just competent. Yeah. But yeah. nowadays, I, I've seen people who've joined the game, and then one year later, they've been able to give me really good duels. So I think like, the game's also gotten easier as well. And not to mention, you know, when you make a, a game easier, then that means, you know, the, the professional players have a harder time being able to retain that spot because the game's so much easier now. You're getting more competition in. It's, yeah. it's supposed to be that refreshing change of pace kind of thing. It's like you don't want to see like John Cena and the WWE be champion for like two, three years. You want to, you want to mix it up. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind sure. of that same logic as what you see here in, in Konami. You know, you want to see newer players. And now that we, I see a lot of, like, YCS champions, half of them, I'm like, I don't even know who this guy is. Who is this yeah, guy? Yeah, I, I don't I know don't... a lot
1: of players, but, I mean, that, that just kind of goes to show that, you know, back in the day, those few hundred people, you know, tournaments, like, you knew pretty much everyone, right? But then it's yeah. like, you know, nowadays, I, I even think, like, one really good thing, because, I mean, I'm all for, like, growing the game and, you know, growing, you know, different things within the game uh, i i think when they changed from having 20 dollar entry right and then people that topped or placed high got stuff but mm-hmm. now you spend 20 bucks and now you get five packs i think that in itself pulled a lot of people into the game yeah because it's
0: encouraging even like the casual players you got that you'll know, we'll get money's
1: something worth yeah, yeah just you know have your fun and all that but then it's like those people probably thought like oh i'm gonna go there i'm you know i'm gonna get wiped out you know like i'm gonna get 0 two drop or something with some low end deck or something but you know i i just think that that was a really positive step so
0: yeah and i, I i'm with you on that and i think doing that kind of uh prizing definitely appeals to the casual players that just want to go in and just strictly just have fun. And and we I've seen numbers grow over the years. Um you know I I usually play a lot of Toronto regionals and it wasn't until December was the very first time that we went from eight rounds to nine rounds because of the attendance that we've had. And ever since then for a consistent eight years We've seen nine-round regionals now in Toronto. We've seen a lot more players occur. Yep. So I, I don't know how it is for for your area right down in Pennsylvania. I mean, please t- tell me if that's, you've noticed anything like that.
1: Uh, I'd say in Pittsburgh it was always like seven or eight rounds. I mean, I think like at the most – on a really good day, we'd have like 250, which is fine, but it's, you know, Columbus, Ohio's three hours away from me. So I typically go to all those regionals. And even back then, like, you know, I, I was topping Columbus regionals, Pittsburgh regionals, and, you know, mm-hmm. came close to topping some Shannon jumps and all that. But, you know, we'll mm-hmm. get to that here in a minute, but um, yeah, even um for the Columbus, I think Columbus had a really big growth and you know, that they get a lot of love from Konami. They've had, you know, nationals mm-hmm. a couple of times now. And I think Columbus regionals went from maybe seven rounds to maybe like eight, nine, maybe some have even been 10. There was like 400 people. So they really had some growth. And I know California is absolutely
0: booming with, player base i think they have around like 10 round regionals which is absolutely insane for just a regional i mean just yeah. topping one of those almost feels like you're topping a, a ycs in itself too oh yeah for sure
1: yeah it's a
0: ycs <laughs> junior or like mini it, it really is and you know we've seen numbers like them even just go bigger than oh uh, you know ycs's or show and jump championships where they were previously called before uh, here in canada because we do get a bit of a lower number because we don't attract as a, as many Americans to come to Canada and play. I mean, we still yeah. get some, yeah. but we don't attract as many as opposed to, you know, a lot of a uh, northeastern American events. You'd attract a lot of the of the Canadian crowd to come down there, like like Columbus, yeah. Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Providence. Those are like big huge big yep. places where you see a lot of uh, Canadians come to as well. Because yeah. we can go there about roughly eight hours to drive and eight hours is nothing to a Canadian as far as driving to an event in the States for that's nothing
1: Canada's huge so (laughs) I definitely get that so
0: yeah and then the and then that's where majority of Canada's populated is is around like the uh, Ontario region so that's for for everyone in the U.S. that's kind of watching this that's in the Northeastern end of uh, America. So you're looking around like the Michigan area, the New York area, Ohio yeah. around that, yeah, even Vermont, if you go a little bit East mm-hmm. of, uh, of that, but yeah, centrally uh, centralized in that area is where most of the Canadian players would go. Cause we border in very well into the United States that way. And then, you know, there's a lot of
1: met- metropolises in that area. So, so you're more so on the Eastern part of Canada. So where would people go on the Western on the western yeah
0: on the western side you don't so we have like this area in Canada where we, we call the Maritimes. So that's like kind of like Central okay Central Canada. We don't get a lot of that. So a lot more people you'd see on on the western side would be closer to uh, the Pacific Northwest end. So like where Seattle is. Okay. That's where you would see a a lot of uh, Canadians there, too. So we that area, Vancouver, is probably one of the most biggest cities in that end of town. Okay. So that end of the country. So around that area. But even then, you don't see a lot of events happen in the Pacific Northwest. You're seeing a lot of them either in the Northeast to to help cater to Canadians, a lot in the Southwest because – uh, Konami located in El Segundo, California, so you're gonna see it around that area a bunch. You do see some in this southeast end of and near like the Texas area as well, but I don't hear a whole lot happening in the Pacific
1: Northwest okay. in, in, in the Seattle, in, uh, Seattle, Oregon uh, that. And Detroit's a very big city for you guys too, because I remember I used to go to regionals and then there was shonen jumps there and all that, and there would be a bunch of people flocking, you know, across the lakes up there, so.
0: Yeah, because Detroit Detroit
1: and Toronto is a roughly
0: about a four-hour drive in there. So that's that's yeah. not hard at all. Because yeah. there's a, uh, the Canadian city that borders Detroit is called Windsor. They're attached at the hip. It's like Niagara Falls. Like there's a Niagara Falls in Canada, Niagara yeah. Falls in, in America. They're, they're attached to the hip. It's kind of like Windsor and Detroit in that end. So that's why you see a lot of uh, Canadian representatives at uh, the one nationals that we had in Detroit. Yep. Which, funny enough, I think that was when they, they declared bankruptcy like a week before, like the whole city did. And yet we have a Nationals in Detroit. I don't know if you remember that or not. I, I don't
1: think I do, no. No? Oh,
0: no. God. I, I found it weird because I'm out in downtown Detroit in 3, 4 o'clock. I'm like, so many businesses are closed. Yeah. And I was taking a two-block walk just to go to White Castle because we don't have that in Canada. Yeah. Because I wanted to try that out. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I
1: mean, I mean, this is just a random thought, but it's like, yeah. it, <laughs> I don't even know how to even, like, word this, but it's just, like, Konami really has a way of, like, some location that they have an event, like, set up for, like, something mm-hmm. seems to happen there. Like, the yeah. one year, there was a YCS in Dallas, and, mm-hmm. like, a week before there was, like, the first case of, like, Ebola. <laughs> and then it's like Nats was supposed to be, I think, in Minnesota this year. And then, yeah. like, you had the riots and, you know, all that stuff going on. And <laughs> that's just one thing I always noticed. I was quite random, but. <laughs> I, I, I could have sworn there was something like that in
0: Europe as well. There was a YCS. And I think there were, there were riots happening out there. And this was probably within the last like, two, three years that it happened. I, I don't yeah. know if you recall anything like I that or I think there not. was
1: something like that, yeah.
0: I, I, I can't remember what it was offhand, but I remember something happening along those lines. Yeah. And it's so weird now within today's political climate that, you know, we were supposed to have worlds in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and all of a sudden Minnesota yeah. becomes the, the centralized location for the, this Black Lives Matter movement, which I, yeah. I'm not going to get into. This is not what the show is about. Yeah. <laughs> but no, oh, no, but it's, it's absolutely weird that, you know, we kind of seen these like weird little coincidental things happen yeah. for you, but, you know, yeah. Wonder like economic time travelers or something? Are they predicting these kind of things yeah.
1: happening? <laughs> and then the other kind of weird one. So I think it was uh, YCS Rio. I think that was the 300th event. It, it was something only in March. And I think like that a
0: milestone, yeah. Was-
1: yeah, it, it was some sort of milestone, maybe two hundred fifty or three hundred. I don't know how many YCSs were up to, but I yeah. read somewhere that a bunch of people traveled there, like Americans, you know, whatnot, other countries, and they went there, they landed, and on Friday they were told that the country closed because of. I had, it. yeah, yeah, and Jumping I had the longest lines. Yeah, I had that conversation la- last podcast with Jesse Cotton,
0: and that's exactly what happened to him. He was going to the two, it was two twenty fifth. That's what it was. Okay, in, in, Rio, in Rio de Janeiro and all of a sudden it's, it didn't happen because of the, the pandemic that's been happening so he just he just spent a week there I, I believe just doing his own thing but yeah like yeah. what what a horrible thing for you to to go travel halfway yeah. across the world only be told that the reason that you're going there, no, not happened. And you've already bought yeah. your ticket and you're already there. It's like, oh. I mean,
1: yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, that's the reason <laughs> you're going to play the hobby that you love. But, you know, at least you're in another country. And But then again, I don't even know what all was open there at that yeah. time. But, that's, that's yeah, that's also a thing. I feel bad for my Yu-Gi-Oh, though. It just seems like there's some bad luck, you know. And even nowadays, you know, it's just like, how, how are we going to play in the future, you know, with all this? So. Yeah, I haven't curious. played. I haven't played a single
0: online duel. I, I typically don't online duel to begin with. Yeah. But I haven't played a single game ever yeah. since the whole entire world went into lockdown uh, with the epidemic that's happening. And yeah, it's, it's been about three, four months now since we, everyone's been quarantined. And the meta has changed all of a sudden. And I am yeah. so out of the loop. Yep. Like I don't know how to play any of this,
2: yeah.
0: to play any of these new decks right now. I don't know how to play Adam, Man, Spader. Yeah. I don't know how to play Eldritch. Yeah, I know. I I don't know what's, I don't know like what the big decks are, like how to play any of them right now. Like I know Striker and Dino are around. Yep. But yeah. And I I, I don't know what to do. I'll
1: tell you what though. I mean, that's really cool that you have these companies, you know, hosting these online tournaments. That's really cool, you know, just trying to keep some going. And then even Konami tried to do the, you know, webcam doling or however you want to talk about that. But, you know, one of the things I was telling you on Facebook, I just find that crazy that. You know, when I grew up playing we had some called YVD like you had to download the program yeah. had to download the images and then you had to use like an IP address I think to connect to your opponent and nowadays you know you can just play like nothing
0: yeah we, we've we've seen this evolve and it, yeah it was a big evolution oh yeah Yu-Gi-Oh virtual desktop I believe it's what it stood for yeah and that was like our way of uh, playing online then I mean I mean sometimes I would play on I would play with either MSN or AIM if, if that instant messaging service. Yep. yep. Way back then. I, I only got like no Canadians had AIM. I only yep. got AIM specifically so I can contact my all my American friends. Oh, okay. That's 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 what I had it for. Okay. And I'd actually be able to do with that. Yeah. But nowadays you couldn't even do like that with text because there's so many moves that you would have to make in the first turn. It's like, oh. Jesus, I couldn't follow along with it. At, at least before I could just say, set to back row, set monster pass. I could type that out. That would be my turn. That's it. Nowadays, I would probably be reading it of, of text before I'd be able to make my first turn, assuming I had like no hand traps to to stop them first turn. I'd be like, yeah. it's crazy. I imagine trying to do that. And there, I remember there was a joke on on Pojo that we I used to see a while ago. And and the joke was. You know, I, I'm actually dueling people by snail mail. I get to enter my battle phase next week. I'm so excited. Yep, <laughs> that was a funny. That was a funny little joke. I mean, yeah. imagine, <laughs> imagine playing like that. That would be crazy. But yeah, you know, but it, it's just kind of the way things yeah. are now. Like you have to yeah. be able to play in like in a fast place, like online environment, yeah. to
1: be able to play yeah. to handle Yu-Gi-Oh the way it is now. Yeah, yeah and e- even nowadays, like even like the last. Definitely the last ban list, but even like the one before that, right? That's kind of when we mm-hmm. went into lockdown and we were kind of thinking, uh, eh, there may not be any progression to the game. Well, because yes. of these online tournaments, right? And like we're seeing that there's that new FTK around now, and it's like the game has evolved. And that's just really <laughs> cool that, you know, people are, you know, trying to push the game still, even though, you know, we're in some unfortunate circumstances. So,
0: yeah. And some people are just, are feeding into it because they just want some semblance and at least in in Yu-Gi-Oh yep. like for for example like both of us are big sports fans yep and yep. we barely have we have barely had barely any sports to watch for the past 3 months now now the world started to open up a little bit we're get, yep. starting to get some sports back but it's it's kind of the same thing here with Yu-Gi-Oh like people just want to watch some Yu-Gi-Oh people want to be able to play it yep. so they're just reaching out to whatever these outlets are happening Yeah. and like you know yeah. g- good on the other people the whoever are running these tournaments to actually host these kind of events and do them but it's just a way for us to be able to feed into what we've been wanting for like the past couple of months. Cause again, I haven't played a single game of Yu-Gi-Oh aside from my video games. Yeah. Right, yeah. And, and for months.
1: you and I, right. Like one of our favorite sports is wrestling and that's been the, the only sports that people have been able to watch Yeah, the, really uh, the last few months. So that's pretty cool that I had something. And then, you know, on, on the you know side here and there, you know, I'll watch some Yu-Gi-Oh streams. So mm-hmm. getting by. Yeah, and, and being able to watch some of this wrestling, I haven't watched
0: a whole lot of wrestling in, in the past like five years lately. Uh, but, you know, I've noticed some like I've watched like clips here and there of like wrestling today. Yeah. And I would at least watch like the two big pay per views, uh, Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. And, you know, being a professional wrestler myself, yep. you know, it's, it's weird playing, uh, playing host to small crowds. It just feels weird. Yeah. Like I performed in front of big crowds, I performed in front of like really small crowds. And, you know, obviously I I love big crowds, of course, that's, that's me. And it's so much different watching WWE online with, uh, with, with these small crowds. You don't really get that big response. It's not as big, you know, but then again, I've had crowds of like 20, 30 people that could absolutely be loud, rowdy, and you just need a good group of people to be able to do that. But yeah, it's just not the same with watching sports nowadays with these big crowds, but I guess we're starting a little off track here now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But nonetheless, you know, when you look at these Yu-Gi-Oh players, like they just want something. Yep. Give them something. Yep. Like because nowadays, like we've started to evolve now into watching Yu-Gi-Oh! streams online. Like this is something Konami adopted, you know, about like seven, eight years ago, which I which finally, thank God they did it, even though I really enjoyed watching like written coverage out way back in the day when metagame.com was still around. Yeah. That was fun to watch. I loved Going through that coverage, you know, Jason Graber did a fantastic job uh, uh, doing metagame.com. Yep. Like, pr- props he, out to he, that He guy. was a
1: mod with us as well. So, yep,
0: he yep. was also a moderator with us yep. too. He's a, I know he's a, he's a very private person. Um, yeah. So, I actually asked him if he wanted to come onto this podcast. He, he. Politely rejected me, but th- that's fine. I know it. He's a very private person. Oh, yeah. I know he doesn't yeah, usually sure. do this kind of thing, but yep. fantastic guy. And he did a wonderful job yep. with Meta- metagame.com. I had so much fun going on the forums and just talking about the matches that happened. I'd read them, watch them. It wouldn't be this long string of paragraphs that I have to do of one of one person doing their duel that nowadays that you see. Yeah, it, it would be like I would be able. I'm watching an actual chess match yep. happening. It's so fun, and I love going like interacting with everybody that was on there on the forums, talking about these plays, talking about who won, who lost. It it was great to see it. I love doing it, and I'm sure
1: you were on the forums
0: too, just kind of going through thread by thread, yeah, uh, and and post by post of like of these things.
1: Yeah, even doing that comparison, right? Like you know, nowadays, right, you have instant results or instant information people are in facebook groups and you're gonna know instantly what's going on i feel like they're definitely even better on the konami website with posting updates right but it's like Mm -hmm. back then right like we were always going through the forums we were always hitting that f5 on a thread and seeing if it's up it's looking at metagame (laughs) waiting for new deck profiles and then we saw images of people and all that and like just a whole you know different ball game
0: yeah, well, nowadays you see a lot more people are on staff now for Konami working these events where back when it was just game.com, it was just Jason working. Yeah. He was the only one. He was a single – he single-handedly did everything. Yeah. It was fantastic. And I also helped him out on a couple events as well. Uh, Shones of Columbus, that was the first event that I helped him out at. I helped him out at Philly as well. Yep. started writing for him afterwards. But, yeah, majority of the time it was him doing it and just – me actually watching him do it all was nothing short of awesome and phenomenal that he was yeah. able to single-handedly do this like again props to that guy it was uh, unreal I, I yep. yeah it was and i know he doesn't do uh, as much nowadays yeah like we, have, we i've seen doug zeef do it i don't even know who does it right now aside from if it even happens i
1: just see a lot of uh, live streaming happen nowadays yeah yeah, it's kind of the new age, but I, I think even back then with metagame.com like Shona jump days, those events would go on till like midnight, one AM. So it's like you'd have to really be on late to get the up. Yeah.
0: So. Because we never had a, we never had day two of Swiss. They always tried to complete yep. Swiss all in one day. Uh, you yeah. know, time rules of course were different. We didn't back have when. that
1: yet. We we didn't even have the five turn roll, which even that's you know, a few years old now, and now it's just time's cold and you know, you stop you know drop everything and whatever the results are you know whoever's up op- yeah games you know life whatever so
0: well i think it was uh when time was called way back when at least in the upper deck days it was just it was just two turns each after the end of the turn
1: uh, there there were time or there were uh turns yeah okay. yeah there
0: were turns there was okay. time
1: um i'm trying to but think but of why the changed. events lasted till 12 or 1 then oh yeah well, that's kind <laughs> of what i was thinking like no nah, there couldn't have been rules
0: well there was no time limit yeah. uh after time was called so uh, i've had rounds where we've had to wait an extra 40 minutes just for the yeah. end of match procedure to happen with this and then not yeah. to mention the number of people that are playing in these events you have to be able to get, once they're finished you got to be able to get them back recorded in especially with big events it's it's a bit it's a huge like cluster yep like, I don't I don't want to curse that word on on the street on uh, the podcast here but yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's one of those things I mean it's it's easy to maintain like a tournament of 20 people it's easy to get results in fast but if you're getting a a tournament in like results in for like 500 600 people it's considerably a lot more time and this is me as a player and a judge's standpoint, like, point
1: of view. Yeah. And that's, I'll, I'll that's tell it you is. what, yeah, it, it's kind of weird right now. I mean, just something how I feel personally, and I, I'm sure, like, people have been, you know, screwed over by these new roles, right? Just time being called, you know, whoever's up in life or games, right? But it's kind of weird because nowadays, right, like, a lot of the decks, they just take, like, five, ten minutes to, like, pop off through their combo, and it's kind of unfortunate, you know, with the time rolling, you know, it's kind of... Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So every every single player yes. that I have talked to is not in favor
1: of the current timings.
0: Yeah. And me, myself included. Yep.
1: So, but I mean, you, you th- just got to play different. You got to play quicker, right? But it's just like, yeah. I mean, that's really all you can do. But it's like if your opponent sets up a board or like they find a way to like, you know, gain life or lose life or something. And it's like, you know, some people could use that to their advantage you know and then they know time is going to get called so and now we're seeing like new strategies come into play you're seeing
0: people strategically scoop yep now like you're scooping because you don't want to waste so much time and you want to be able to get in
1: for another game yep
0: yeah you want to have time for another game you see that now yeah uh you know you're seeing players just i don't know maybe maybe try to speed up a little bit in their plays just that way they can't get themselves in time or maybe they'll play decks that are designed to maybe just combo quickly just so you don't have to run into that problem you know and and those things happen like i've done that before too i've had if i see the clock it's about five minutes left and i know i'm gonna get beat here i might wait it down to about roughly four like four minutes or around three minutes i'll take the scoop Then I'll play, and then I'll strategically either make them go first, so that way when time is about to hit, it's going to be my turn, and I get to get the first deal in life points, assuming they can't burn me on or gain life points on the first turn. You know that's starting to come into effect
1: now, like that little strategy that's being worked in. Yeah, or even like a couple of formats ago, right? Like if you're getting close to time, right, and you're remaining like solemn judgments, like you'd probably (laughs) want to scoop up your cards, pull out any cards that are like gonna lose you life. You know, like whole different. Way of thinking, I guess. Yeah, that
0: that was absolutely a strategy I employed even way back when. If I knew that I was going to go to game three, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm signing out all my cards that I'm going to take life points up. No warnings, no judgments. Yep, kicking out upstart goblin. You know, those and, and it made signing easier. Yep, which was nice on that regard. But yeah, there was just little things like that that would make all the difference. Yep, and with these new time rules, again, I'm sure the judges love it. I mean, when I went judging. Yeah. I love the time rule as a judge because it makes the day go by faster. Oh, yeah. But also, but also at the same time, now judges get paid by the hour, so you're making less money now. Yeah, no, you're making less of uh, what you earned before with these new end of end of time procedures. Which I always thought was a reason why Konami decided to implement these new time rules was one to save them overhead because now they have to pay their judges. Yep, and then two, they just don't want to. They don't want to hang around that long. I mean, again, it's tolling, either as a player, a judge, or even as a vendor, to be in a hall for 12 to 14 hours a day working all the time with very minimal breaks. It's tolling. Yeah, It's absolutely taxing.
1: Yeah. I, I don't I know think if you've ever Yeah. Yeah. I think also, like, right now, I mean, Yu-Gi-Oh! by no means is easy to play. I mean, you know, you can just pick up a deck and play casually, right? But if you want to play competitive, right, you have to have a general idea of, you know, what you're doing and all that. But it's like, I kind of feel like also sometimes with these time rolls, like I'm sure a lot of people would be like, oh, if I had one more turn or if I had a few more minutes, I could finish off my combo and all that. Or, you know, people screw things up. So, you know, I I guess that kind of, you can strive to be better. But also it's kind of unfortunate, I guess, that all these decks like try and, you know, pop off and take up like 10 minutes. And, you know, that's kind of the unfortunate part about it. I mean, I I wish that would kind of go away, but it's like, you know, the game has advanced so far. I mean, 18 years, I think it's been, I want to say Legend of Blue Eyes was out too. So that's why Mm -hmm. I want to keep saying like it was 18 years, but it's like we have Mm -hmm. such a large card pool now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's. I, I think no matter what kind of cards like you hit, you're always going to have some sort of deck that can like combo off. So that that kind of may be kind of a recurring issue, I guess.
0: Yeah, and, and I, yeah, I feel
1: that's what happened to the game now. It's
0: that we're so far into the rabbit hole now. It's really hard to dig ourselves out without like a huge shakeup or a huge change in the game that we That we have yeah. to play these games by turn one, and usually games are decided at the third turn yeah. on, on average, it's, it's usually the third or fourth turn that we're going to see games usually completed at this point in time, because it's, it's, can you break my board? If not, we're going to the next game and that's what it is. And, you know, Jesse Cotton said to me last week, you know, this, the game is actually, it's not fun to watch anymore because you're just simply watching one person combo off and you're just seeing if, Somebody can just break it. And if not, then that's it. That's, we're going
1: to the next game. Yeah, that, that's it. Don't waste any more time. It's also kind of weird because, you know, decks are, are using a lot of hand traps, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. for a while, I was really against that. Like, the first hand traps to go out or release were Effect Valor, Maxi. And I was like, okay, those are okay. Because, like, back then, it's like Valor just stop and Effect, right? Cool. Mm-hmm. Fine. But then it's like Maxi, right? Like, we were talking about that before. It's just like people had to decide, are you going to continue to pop off or are you just going to end? And a Mm -hmm. lot of people would just stop because just the card pull we had at the time, you know, you you had to think about that. But now it's like today, it's like someone drops a hand trap on you. It's like, well, do you have called by? No. Okay. Well, I'm just going to, you know, stop you. uh, That's what I mean. Like some of these cards are like necessary evils, but it's just a whole different kind of a feeling, you know? And it's like, if you let your opponent build a board and you don't have Mm -hmm. that one out or something, then, you know, scoop them up.
0: Yeah, and that's also a big thing, too, just having hand traps in your opening hand and, and having enough of them to be able to disrupt your opponent first turn. I mean, that that's the luck factor of this game as well. And then hoping that they don't have call by the grave on top of that, which which can be really menacing. I yep. uh, Remember one of the first uh, hand traps, and I'm using this in quotation when I say this, that came out, Gorse. Uh, Gorse was such a menacing card when I yep. first heard about it and when it first came out, because you know, if, if you saw somebody have no back rows, yep. at least at that point in time I could say, All right, I've got game. Yep. You can but now you can't make that assumption anymore in, in today's in today's Yu-Gi-Oh climate. If yep. just because someone's got a clear board doesn't mean okay, game's not necessarily over. I might have something in my hand that'll stop you. And Gore's yep. really changed the game on that format. It's yeah. like, okay, I, I can't
1: guarantee game anymore now because what if he has this? What if he has that? I'm not sure anymore. Yeah. And people wouldn't think of it as like a big thing nowadays, I feel like. But, you know, when you drop gores, you got the token. And it's like if you had a board full of monsters, you would attack with the smaller guys first. Yeah. And the big guy last that way because they'll typically save the gores for the big guy if they can. That way they get a bigger token. And, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, back then, like, Uh, Trigodia, Gores, those probably even came out before Valor, or maybe at the same time, or something like that, but yeah, I mean, (laughs) that was, that's kind of what we were talking about, whole different, like, feeling, and it's like, it's like the fear of God put in you, or something, you know, because it it, it was a fun awesome, but it's like it it hurt when they were dropped on you.
0: Yeah, at least when Gores was out, it was the only card you had to worry about, but nowadays you have we have so many hand traps that exist. You have to worry about so many things. Like great, thankfully, there's that neutralizer in call by the grave to kind of rectify that. But then again, we don't have we don't have like designator nobody would designate that cross to that would stop uh yep. impermanent infinite impermanence right now that's up. So if you have an infinite impermanence, really hard to stop that right now in today's format, at yep. least on the first turn anyway. So, you know, back then we only had to worry about one trap. Nowadays we gotta worry about Four, five, six, and some people are running three copies of each. So it can be really menacing as as a first turn player going against someone playing with so many hand traps. I mean, I played fifteen hand traps when I was playing Salomon Greats uh, when yeah. they first came out, which yeah, which you know kind of terrorized you know, most players. Yeah. But if I didn't, but if I
1: didn't have a single one, I was screwed most of the time yeah and one of the craziest things i think i mean this just again goes with how long the game has been out and how it's advanced right but it's like mm-hmm. when you and i playing back in the day the sort of cards that you were like so afraid of or that were powerhouses mm-hmm. now they're at like three per deck and they see no play like book Moon, gores trigodia dark Armed. like i mean the list goes on it's just absolutely madness yeah. that a lot of these cards were like Banned or limited, and now they're at three, and they just never see the light of day.
0: That's a great point that you make wow. because I've,
1: I've had so many
0: people that play the game like incredibly casually. That would just play for like maybe like half a year or something. That was it was just something to pass the time between friends, and they would just ask me. It was like, "Is this is this card still around?" I'd have to tell them, and "Yes, it's at like yep. three, and nobody is using it." And yep. even Regeki. nobody's using Regeki right now. Yep. It's like wow! Like who would have thought that Darkhold is like three get. two? I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, and barely no one's using it right now, which is yeah. amazing. That you get these once powerhouse cards
1: yep. that were
0: so menacing, and now they're not even scratching. And we're getting variants of those cards that might seem that would have been weaker back in the other format, but actually appear stronger in today's format. Like for instance, uh, like for instance, a um, Storming Mirror Force. Yep. Like it, it puts all the cards back in the hand. I mean, yeah. we would rather just destroy them or, than rather put them back in the hand. But in today's Yu-Gi-Oh! climate, we'd rather back in the hand because we have so many cards that activate in the graveyard. Like, no, we don't want them in the graveyard. Yep. You, didn't, you didn't want that so much in, in the early days of Yu-Gi-Oh! There are some cards you didn't actually want stuff in the graveyard before, but now it's like, no, we want stuff in the graveyard. It's like when I played with Don's loot I'd always like, want to mill two off the top if I couldn't discard. Yeah, I'd absolutely do that all the time. Nowadays, if I played with Don Zaluk, like, no,
1: I am not milling two cards whatsoever. And th- th- this is a random thought, but Don Zaluk had 1,500 defense, right? Yep. Okay, yeah, so if you summon a tomato and rammed into it, you're losing a card. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's just craziness. Yeah, <laughs> just getting all nostalgic here. I mean, that's just but yeah, I mean, even like a card like Book of Moon, right? Like that was such a big card back in the day. Yes, it was it's just like it was so good on the offense and defense. And then if you, fl- you know, flipped an opponents monster, like their turn was probably going to end or like they just couldn't do a whole lot. But now it's just like can't even Book of Moon a link monster or it's just like they already popped off. And, you know, so it's just like I don't think Book of Moon will ever see the light of day. So.
0: Yeah, and I love Book of Moon. I honestly called that card one of the best Neg One cards that you could play with because often you could turn it into, often you could turn it into like a good one for one at least, or you would set yourself up in a situation where you'd be able to take the game over with with a simple Book of Moon. Nowadays, we're we're not even we're not even seeing it be played, even though I love that card so much. I thought it was bad when I first saw it. And then yeah. After actually playing with it, I'm like, "Well, this card is fantastic. This is one of the best cards I've ever played with." Yeah, and it's amazing how we're seeing all these power cards like absolutely do nothing in today's yeah. format. I mean, I think like
1: monsters should be able to go face down, but I don't know why they don't have a defense. But
0: yeah, you know, I, I, I think maybe yeah. that would put
1: some balance in the game. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, even like Chaos Emperors at three, like the original one. I mean, yep. Blackluster Soldier. You read Blackluster, and you would think like that has to see play somewhere, but it doesn't.
0: And, and how yeah, long have we crazy? Heard yeah, no, uh, how long been has that like been invasion
1: banned? of chaos? That was like oh four, maybe oh three. I don't know. Well, just think how long that card has
0: been banned for until oh, yeah. it actually got brought back. Yep. And then nowadays, it's like it's barely seeing play, if at all, if at yep. all ever. Yeah. And even when it was at three, like people maybe play like one, maybe two, but yep. you wouldn't. But three is like a kind of it's a bit of a stretch. You might see that in burning abyss variants, but yeah, you yeah something like that. Yep. If you had those power cards, it's like, yeah, do I really want to play that at three? I don't know. And like even though it was so menacing when it actually came out, and now it is like whatever, it's just another it's it's just another card. It doesn't yeah. have any like control properties. Yeah. It's just okay, whatever. I yeah. can easily stop that. Because like we're seeing the game kind of shift to does this card have some sort of floodgate or does it have so- some sort of negate power? Does it yeah. have some way to restrict your opponent? If or it so this is like board or yep. Yeah or something like then it's going to be useful like some sort of combo piece that's that's what it is nowadays like we don't and then we're not seeing a whole lot of slow cards unless all these decks are committed to slowing down the game in its entirety like we're not seeing any of the like the hybrid decks that can play slow or play fast like for instance take fire fist for example that deck can has has a little bit of speed but it can also play the floodgates as well it can play kind of both ways in that sense. Now, we don't even see any of those decks that can kind of play the hybrid. It's either, yeah. let's, let's play one strategy or not. Yeah. And that, I think that's kind of taken away a little bit of that luster, because I kind of enjoyed playing decks that are similar to that. But some things that would have, like, a bit of a floodgate so like, just the minor floodgates. Like, yeah. when I played Murmels, you had a Biscayos, that was a minor floodgate. Yeah. And, but then they could explode like crazy. And But now we don't see it. It's, it's one way or the other. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. It's, it's it's just amazing to see how this game has evolved from, you know, just having twenty turn games, and now the game is done in less than five turns.
1: Yep, I, I don't craziness.
0: <laughs> it is. And I, I know nowadays that you're not really like the most competitive player nowadays, but yeah. you still play. You yep. still put videos on your your YouTube channel. Yep, as I've seen, not a whole lot yeah, as you used lot. as you used to. Yep. So well, let's let's dive into that now. Cause you've sure. had, cause you almost have 4,000 subs on yep. yours. And I know you've been Yu Gi Tubing for quite some time. You even Yu Gi Tubed like when I was trying to do Yu Gi Tube for a while. And I stopped, like, I started about a decade ago, stopped about six years ago, four years ago, something like, something to that nature. Yeah. But you're still going. So, like, tell me, tell me more about what's going on with your YouTube channel right now.
1: Well, so I, I... I honestly don't even know when I really stopped doing, like, YouTube. I I mean, I do videos here and there, and I'll get to that, like, in a second. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, kind of once I started working, I got out of college, that's kind of when I started to kind of drop out of the game a little bit. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll be honest, like, me traveling for events, having a good, you know, group of friends, like, that was everything in the world to me. And then also on top of that, going to events, like people saying, hey, I read your articles or, you know, hey, I saw your video and all this. And like, you know, that meant the world to me. And even like, you know, I was kind of there at the beginning of YouTube. Like Mm -hmm. when YouTube started to go off with, you know, Yu-Gi-Tubers, right? And it was myself, you, I mean, there was Robbie. um, I I think Simply Unlucky was still there. I think, I don't know if Jobber was there or not, but, you know, regardless, like it was a pretty small core. I think I might have got up to like 5,000 subs, which like back then you know that was pretty good yeah that was um, huge. but because it's like someone might have had like 20 or thirty thousand, i think like i was telling you but now nowadays i think someone might be at like half a million some yugi tuber so the game has really popped off but it's like honestly you know it's my doing but you know i kind of lost a lot of my you know followers and viewers mm-hmm. but also now to go back to your question like you know it was the same thing for like my pojo days to where if i posted an article or i posted a deck or it's like i posted a video you know there's still people that view them there's still people that reach out to me and if i'm able to help someone that's great so it's kind of my way i guess still to stay in the game to some degree mm-hmm. and if i have an event near me like i'll go there and it's like i'll probably never sell my cards and it's like every now and then you know i'll put some money into the game you know and just Get some cards to beef up some old decks that I used to like, and it's like you know, I still like to go and travel and all that, so mm-hmm. you know, it, it's just my way of staying into the game. So, uh, I certainly don't get the you know views like I used to on YouTube, but you know, people do still reach out to me and you know, they enjoy the content. So,
0: mm-hmm. well, it's a common theme to see a
1: lot of players way back when
0: that now, who were probably uh either high school students and or maybe young adults like maybe around 18 and then nowadays and then fast forward about 15 years later now like many of us have uh many of us have children's we have actual like full on careers we don't quite have the time for it anymore and you know the game kind of kind of wanes on us a little bit. So and I think you've admitted that the game has waned on you a little bit. Like you're not into it as you were before. Yeah. But you still keep up with the game. Yep, yeah. So That's so what's true. what's kept you at least keeping up with the game uh, as as far as
1: you have? I mean, honestly, I mean I, I still do, you know, enjoy looking into things. And, you know, for the most part, you know, I, I like the rogue side of things a little more now. Like, typically nowadays, like, if I bring up a live stream and I see one of the big meta decks, like, that typically don't turn me on. Because, you know, we, we were talking about that, like, all the big board and negates and all that. But it's like, someone's playing some coal, that still piques my interest. I mean, you know, again, like, I picked up this game years and years ago. So it, it's just one sort of, you know, something from my childhood that, you know, I never want to fully give away. It's something that I still want to stay into, you know, to some degree. You know, I may not do well ever again. That's fine. I mean, you never know, I guess. But, you know, yeah. it's just, you know, I, I just want to, you know, be in it still to some degree. So.
0: It's really rare to see these players that we know back then kind of playing into now. I mean, the, the Bolitos don't really play anymore. I know Lazaro Bolito doesn't play anymore. Dale, like we've kind of seen him come like in and out a bit. I have not actually yeah. asked him yet if he's actually still trying to play or not. Like, eventually, he, he, I'd love to he have him as a guest. A
1: few years ago, like when PPG had a whole bunch of like sponsored players and all that. I mean, I know they're more so kind of doing their own tournaments now, but I remember like Dale came back and like he topped something. Like, yeah, he did years ago. Crazy. Yeah,
0: we talked. Yeah, we both topped YCS Toronto together, and I think that at that point in time, he was with PPG. Yeah. And, you know, he was in there, but then he kind of disappeared again. Like, I haven't heard his name uh, in the Yu-Gi-Oh! scene, least, as far as I know, for the past, like, year or two. So, and, yeah. and, and, you know, that's something I would love to talk to him about down the road. Uh, Lazar doesn't play anymore, but you see players like Jeff Jones. He's still around. Yeah. He's still kicking. He's probably one of the most, like, consistent and, and creative players that have ever graced this game. And, uh, you know, if there was a Yu-Gi-Oh! Hall of Fame, his name is definitely 100% going to be there. You know, he's going to be first ballot definitely. if we ever do that kind of thing. Jeff, yep. Jeff, I'd love to have you on the show. By the way, if you're if you're out there listening, I'll have you on someday. But yeah. you know, we don't see a lot of those names now, like surface today. I mean, where's you don't yeah. see Philly Luna? You don't see Tirasak Bat, You know, Chris Patel. Yeah. I haven't heard of him in a while. Yep. As far as Yu Gi Oh goes, like all these. Players from the Jerry Wang. I, I, I could I could keep going on and listening to this oh, yeah, Oh,
1: yeah. yeah. Less is major. But yeah, I mean, kind of just, you know, life happens, you get older, and it's either, you know, you kind of just give it up and you move on, or, you know, you're someone like me and you kind of just, you know, hanging on by a string. I'm sure a lot of people wonder, like, why do you keep doing it? It's just like, well, you know, it's a pretty cheap hobby. I mean, there's hobbies out there that are a lot more money, so... Yeah, or yeah. you know play to have fun and all that so but yeah I mean yeah, I mean even someone like jeff Jones right like you know he has his shop and all that and like I think he even had his own card game right so it's just like he just moved on to something else, so you probably wouldn't see him at a yugioh event anytime soon, but yeah, I'm sure he still like follows it kind of like me but
0: i I still think he's actually k- kicking maybe not as much as before, but he's still in the game he's still doing well I think he's doing uh like he's working with uh, Jesse Cotton and doing like a duels to cattle me as well so he's still involved in the game but I wasn't aware of that one yeah he's he's around that's what I mean he's one of the few veterans that I believe is still quite prominent in the game but you know we don't have a lot of these names nowadays that we knew from 15 years ago that are prominent now we're now we're seeing like the new age of yu-gi-oh players coming up like for example going back to Jesse Cotton guys now 20 years old he's an adult I've seen him grow up from a kid from Buffalo. I'm like 10 years old and I was growing up to be like one of the biggest players of the game but a lot of these new players that are like the best in the game right now they're you know they're like fresh out of high school or maybe they're still in it and like they're just barely into their their undergrad at college or university and you know players like you and me we're in our 30s we're in our early 30s now yep like we're up we're up there and yep. you know, like some stuff, like I have a career. I have a career myself. Like I've got, I've got a girlfriend. You know, I'm. I got my own commitments that I have to do. That's outside of the game. I'm sure you have the exact same thing. Like you have your own commitments too. You have your own hobbies. you got a life outside of UQ. Everybody yep. does. Yep. But it's. But of course, when you get older, more of it takes over your own life than it would at least for the younger crowd because they have more time.
1: Definitely, definitely, they have
0: more time to explore. Yeah. So yeah, we're starting to see this new age. So it's it's I. Hey, really have to respect the players that have survived like 15 years ago up all the way until now, still play a high level game of Yu-Gi-Oh and, and, you know, and still consistent and still a household name up up until now. I mean, geez, that's a long way to go.
1: Yeah. And I, I think it's nuts that, I mean, kind of did do like a little comparison here, but I, I think that, you know, players nowadays, they can be younger and do better. I don't know, like, what it is with that, but then I'm also kind of curious, like, someone like Jesse, or, you know, there's a lot of people hovering around that age, you know, a few years Mm -hmm. from now. Are they still going to play? Are they going to have a new career, or are they just going to continue to build on their, you know, card legacy, I guess, you know?
0: That's a very good point
1: um, that you've made. We we rarely
0: saw that way back when. Like, if we saw a kid play in Yu-Gi-Oh! like 15 years ago, odds are that you'd see, like, the adult would would dominate them. But now that gap is definitely closed in, in today's meta. I've seen yeah. young kids, uh, you know, I've almost been beaten by several young kids. I've had kids, like some young kids, beat me before. And I, I've seen some of these young kids that put, get some really good plays in right now. Um, yeah. Currently, there's a, a Canadian duelist who was a, a former Dragon Duel champion. Actually, I know two of them. And now they're starting to rise up into their own, like Ryan Yu and John wilkin Those are two guys that, you know, they that played, like, Dragon Duel, that played the Dragon Duel championships. Ryan is a former Dragon Duel champion. Yeah. And he's now, play, and he just won, like, a 64-man tournament just a couple days ago. And we're starting to see these young kids even develop into their own. And I've only heard of one kid back in our day that ever had that kind of fairy tale story. I don't know if you remember this. Um, Austin Coleman, who was yep. 11 years old and won the U.S. National Championship. That's the only story I've ever heard of. A kid around that time dominate a big meta. But nowadays, now we're starting to see kids just get smarter and better in this yeah. game. It, yeah. It's crazy.
1: And yeah, and a friend of ours, so actually Ross, also from Pittsburgh, he Ross Snappy, sure yep. yeah, when he was yep. like 10. But yep. it's like, other than that, I really never heard that story. And like Austin Coleman, like, that fire was lit for a couple of years. He kind of vanished himself. I I don't know if he's kind of coming back now. I mean, you could check out his YouTube. He's doing a couple of videos here and there. So I think he's going to start to maybe play again, but it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you kind of didn't see that too much. I mean, I I would think it would be people over the age of like 21, you Mm -hmm. know, kind of like mid twenties, some like that. Like they were the ones that were top in the events and now, yeah, I, I don't know what it is, something in the food or something, but, Yeah, they're they're just doing really well, so it's crazy. Yeah, and
0: I remember that was one of the biggest stories I've ever heard of in UGA when Austin Coleman won the championship, won the U.S. Nats. I believe it was 2006 when it happened, and I think one of the biggest duels that happened was him versus uh, then champion Iman Hanian. If you remember him as well, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, he was a big guy, big guy back in the day as far as being a duelist, and it was it was such a story to see that kid. Kind of evolve into what he was then, and but now you're seeing these kids who have been like Dragon Duel champions, and even just even not even that level, but just evolve into their own and just become good. Like I can't even take a 12 year old kid lightly anymore because they'll give me some really good games.
1: Yep. And I, I'll tell you what, even to put this into like perspective more, but someone like Austin Coleman, like back then, at least I'm pretty sure. Let me know if I'm wrong on this, but there weren't even Dragon Duels. They had to play in the main tournament. You're right. And the little kid just wiping everyone in the room. Yeah, right. and I believe you're right, too. Yeah,
0: And we yeah. we don't really see a whole lot of that, like, b- before way back in the day. And yeah. I, I, I wasn't there at that event because I was an American. I didn't really have any incentive to really go to that event. Yeah. But, you know, reading the coverage that day, like, the crowd apparently erupted like crazy when that sure. kid won. And I yeah. can believe it. I mean, that's a true underdog story. And but now it's starting to become more common. Yep. That we start to see these things that we're starting to see these bigger players get upset more from these younger, lesser known players. And now they're starting to come into the own. It's it's like, okay, I can't take any kid lightly anymore. Not that they just should anyway, but yeah. And
1: I I like the idea of having Dragon Duel. So I actually think I was, you know, a great step in the right direction. Because I I could certainly see a lot of kids like maybe being scared or, you know, something that they won't do well in the big tournament. Well, Mm -hmm. you can go there, play with people your age, you know, have fun and, you know, get better at the game. Or if you want, you can go to the main tournament, you know, if you think you're ready or if you think that won't bother you. And yeah, just in general, I mean, the game's definitely, you know. It's really progressed everything yeah
0: year. it's kind of like having like when you have like a women's division and a men's division in sports yep you know it, it's kind of like that like you know women can women can like play within like their their own gender they can play that but you know we've had cases where we allow women to play in men's sports yep. and we don't and we don't have a problem with that like right now all the major sports outlets like nfl mlb we there's no rule against women going into it. They have they can absolutely be welcome to play if they're good enough. Obviously, we're we're basing yep. on competence, so we're not basing on gender. Yep. Then you know it's kind of like that kind of logic we're seeing now in Yu-Gi-Oh. You know, we'll let the little kids be able to have their own little division, so that way they can. You know they can kind of hone their skills with kids their age, get better, and then when they're ready to gotta kind of move up, they yep. can move on
1: up. It's like the minors and the majors that yep. you see in sports as well. Like, geez, yeah, sports. What a great,
0: sports, what a great
1: comparison. I love sports. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's it certainly missed. Well, yeah, have back someday.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you, man. I really want my sports too, but. It, you know, it's, it's amazing now we've seen this game evolve, and it's kind of been like the the whole topic of this, the whole entire conversation we've for had sure. for this podcast, is the evolution of this game going from slow, slow, and then it's starting to get a little bit faster, a little bit, and, you know, you can get a little bit more creative because obviously there's a bigger card pool, yeah, so you can get more creative, and And now we've gone from the slow game to this incredibly fast-paced game where turns games are usually done within the first five turns. But if you ever see games that go past five turns in this day and age, like it becomes a major grind. And those are the kinds of games I love playing. Yeah, I like those. Yep. Yeah. So I know when you come into regionals, you're kind of playing more stun-like decks. I know you play a lot of uh, heavy tribute decks. When you go play like regional side, I see you play like like Earthbound Immortals. I've seen you play like with Monarchs, and yep. I love I love playing against those kinds of decks because it really throws a monkey wrench in my strategy, and I've got to think yep. completely different on how to take these kind of decks down.
1: It's really a refresher, yeah. And I'll, no. I'll tell you what I mean. I kind of feel like a lot of players nowadays, you know, they'll kind of yep. watch videos online figure out how to do combos and like what the you know side and all that but then it's just like whoa what if someone does something to your combo are you going to do the right play or what if you play against a certain deck that's you know not meta are you going to be able to beat it you're going to be able to think for yourself right and that's kind of how i was back in the day i always strive to be better and better and honestly (laughs) like It's kind of a letdown. I never ended up topping a and Jump. Like, we were kind of talking about this. But back in the day, you had to make top eight to make the top cut. And there was, like, yes. no day two, no extra rounds, you know, the next day and all that. And, you know, back then, you know, I, I think I got, like, I got 20th at Toronto. I was using GBs with uh, Cold Wave. I think I was Dad Return. And yep. then I was also using the uh, trap card that froze two back rows. And I was just going, like, Prisma, Tiger, Cat, like, all that. Yep. Stuff. Zing Zen really... Hu. Yeah. yeah, Zing Zen, yep, yep. So that, that's what I mean. Someone would look at that card and be like, yeah, it sucked. But, like, that was really cool. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, back then, you know, I, I came close to the top in a couple of times. I think I had, like, two or three, like, top 32s. Like, in today's day and age, like, that would have, you know, made the cut. But, um, yeah. So, yeah, and
0: topping a a Shona Jump Championship was a lot uh, more difficult way back when. Yeah, yeah, as you said, we try to get all of day one uh, done. Like all Swiss rounds were done on day one, and day two was just strictly the top eight cut. And it would suck for like one or two people because you could have an X1 record and you could still not make the top eight cut. Yeah. Which was awful. So, like, every time I would go into a big event, I'm like, Got to win the first round. Got to win the first round because typically your tiebreakers are get progressively worse if you lose the first round, as opposed to getting the, they're better if you like lose in the later round. Like that, I think the first round is one of the most important rounds of, yeah. of a tournament. You want to win that one for sure. Yeah,
1: because it yeah, affects your tiebreakers. Yeah, and kind of going back to the striving to do better. I kind of lost my you know train of thought there before. That's why I kind of stopped. But you know like <laughs> back then, right? Like the card pool was a lot smaller, right? And yes, you know I, I had mentioned like how competitive the pittsburgh area was like i think we only had like two or three and jump tops from our area but it's like yeah. there's so many of us that were just knocking on the door at the last round every time and it's just like that was a smaller card pull. so i think like back then we would probably be better prepared to face a deck that wasn't meta but yeah. nowadays it's just like i couldn't even tell you when i last played against like samurai or you know what i mean like the card is so much bigger so i kind of wonder you know today's players if they played against a non-meta deck like how would they fare would you know how to play against it and that's kind of why i I think i like playing those you know rogue decks first of all i don't think you know they don't get love i mean i I know you know i'm not going to do well i mean you should just be using the best decks out there best cards and all that but (laughs) i kind of feel like if i had my competitiveness from years back and my mind that i have like now like i think like i can come up with better deck ideas and like combos mm-hmm. nowadays for like weird decks but if i had mm-hmm. that competitiveness and mm-hmm. that mind back then i think i really would have did did some damage so
0: so when you play with
1: these kinds of decks
0: at regionals nowadays do, do you notice opponents with how they have to play when you're playing with these like these rogue like floodgate like decks
1: and, well, yeah, you know, these... yeah, yeah. Certainly, I mean, right off the bat, if someone has to pick up your cards, I mean, that's <laughs> that's kind of a plus in a way, you know. Because yeah. Then it's just like, well, we'll we'll see how they play against us now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, it, it's definitely a curveball because people go into an event thinking, oh, I'm going to play against the top three or four decks, right? Mm-hmm. So, yep. Yeah, it's a whole different kind of strategy, and it can certainly throw people off. So,
0: yeah. And, you know, I, f- I see a lot nowadays where the formats have gotten incredibly diverse for the yep. most part. For, obviously, there have been formats where we've just had like one deck that's been topper, maybe two decks. Like, I think the most recent one we've had was uh, Orcust, for example, was like one of the best, was like the best deck at the time. And almost everybody was playing it in some form, in some variant of some form. But back then, and back then, uh, like yep. for Teladad, for example, let's take that one, which was our, which was the tier zero deck one of the best decks that was out there like any other deck was pretty much rendered obsolete i always found that about 95% of the time it was the better player won oh yeah for sure there was a very low like luck yep. like success rate that would
1: actually like cause the win for for like the lesser player yeah
0: it was and, very tough yeah
1: yeah and and that was actually you know my probably peak performance because i ended up top in like seven regionals in a row during teledad format there was an yep. upper deck day so that that i remember that meant that that's when you know upper deck was sold or you know konami took over how, however you want to word that and they were giving away prize cards at tournaments. so i i ended up winning one there but yeah i mean certainly with Teledad I mean I could also see during Teledad that's kind of when the game kind of started to change because you know you first started off with just normal monsters, effect monsters fusions right and rituals (laughs) and then you know kind of after that then you got what synchros I believe and that's just like okay well this is kind of different you know and then after that you know it just continued to expand but yeah I mean in the Teledad era I mean if you did not make the right play you were going to get punished yeah,
0: and that's that
1: exactly how I found. Like,
0: uh, I was there was players I would always consistently beat with Talad. I really somebody who was like worse off than me. But there were definitely a couple players that were better than me. When at least when I played at uh, regionals or at Upper Deck Day, that I just couldn't beat because they were just they were better than me. Yeah, like they did better. They they knew the deck better than me. They could. Yep. They were just better than me in general. Yeah. And that's what happened most of that And I kind of I like those formats. Where it's usually the better player one because, you know, when you play these kinds of games, everyone wants to be, at least if you are if you think you're good, you want the better player one. That's how yeah. I want it to be. Yeah. It's kind of like the lower end, the casual players, they kind of don't want it that way because they want their chance to be able to win. But, you know, as being as a legacy player who's played this game and I played this, I want to say I played at a, a fairly high level yep. uh, with, with all the and accolades that I have under my belt yeah uh, you know I, I think i'm a pretty solid player um, yep. so yeah, i like to are, have that sure <laughs> i'd like to think so i only yeah. have one ycs top though i i, <laughs> I haven't topped to shonen jump it. Championship. yeah i haven't topped the shonen jump championship ever i've been close but i haven't actually well, topped it. i think i've got about uh like six or seven i think i played before it got changed to ycs but the ycs i did I top i for sure
1: you're you're never gonna top one
0: <laughs>
1: yeah no i will definitely top gone. a shonen jump yeah I mean, I feel like it's kind of this way with a couple of formats, but it's like, I think a format will start off. Okay. And then eventually yeah. there was either a card released or someone discovered a card that kind of ruined it. Like a lot of people talk about goat format and you know that there's a whole lot of like memes online talking about Xerian universe and all that. And you know how yep. that card kind of ruined things, but then also like in Teledad, People just use regular teledad at first, but then eventually people started to use like royal oppression and that yep. kind of, you know, in a way ruined things. And then I also think like another format, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I believe it was Necroz and people are using the Dijin, the one that you can't special. Yep. So that kind of ruined things too, you know? Yep. Uh, also, like, Dragon Ruler format, Patrick Coben
0: introduced uh, Vanity's Emptiness in his build. No one was running at the time at the yeah. Nationals in Chicago, and that and that's what propelled him to, I think, he got the, I think he won that event yeah. altogether, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yep. So that, that was the game-breaking card for it, and then all of a sudden, Vanity's Emptiness became, like, one of the biggest cards of the format. Yeah. and almost every single deck was running it just to shut down your opponent
1: and that that's all it took was just to find some sort of like combo, right because like for the longest time i think emptiness was out no one was really using it but then yep it was just like you could figure out some sort of combo with a card so like in a way i kind of like that but at the same time if there was something really unfair then you know it kind of doesn't make a good back and forth game either
0: yeah because once at least when everybody knows about the card it's a little bit more like it's a little bit more even at that point. Like when yeah. Necros was going into its last legs, so like we were still at the top deck, but we just lost to Shin. Everybody at that point was running emptiness. And then sometimes, sometimes you would have the gentleman's agreement of both players signing it out. Yeah.
1: You know, sometimes you'd
0: have that. I never adhered. I never did that. I'm like, no, I'm keeping it in. I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: I'm just playing it. I'm playing the game like the way I, I want to play it right now. I'm not going to
0: do that. Yeah. In fact, I'm. I'm glad I did. Yeah.
1: I guess you would say you'd probably want a game to be more evenly matched, right? Yeah, you do. <laughs> the, 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 for, for the most part, no pun intended. Yeah. No, at yeah, least maybe
0: not, for you. Not at all. Yeah. 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 But, you know, sometimes, but I don't mind having a surprise card happen in there because I don't want to divulge anybody away from, like, sorry, deter anybody away from creativity, because yeah. that's that's what it does. I mean, Jeff Jones, for example, one of the most creative play- professional players to play this game, yeah. you know, has a whole bunch of tricks up his sleeve. You know, I don't want to do that, but it, it is nice to kind of play games where both players just have no like inherent advantage over each other, per se. It's, it's kind of near impossible to do because everyone's skill level is different, so you can't really have that perfect level
1: playing field, but
0: you'd like to at least have it at points where it's level as possible. In some yeah. cases. Yeah.
1: I, I think also kind of like back in the day, I'm always going to refer to back in the day. Cause you know, that's <laughs> what I'm from. Right. But it's yeah, like, you know, you would be able to side certain cards that would just be able to like, I don't want to say like, I, I think like nowadays, right. You're siding cards to just like white back rows, right. Or white monsters or stuff <laughs> like that. But it's like back then, I think like you could side in like a monster you know that would make your deck a little better against something you know what i mean like i, I feel like the texts were more there back then but nowadays it's like you're just gonna have uniform like removal or negation and you know what whatnot
0: yeah i've siding is completely different now from what it is before i mean before i could side in traps even when I know I was going to go second back in the day. Nowadays, every single card that I side in, it has to be live first turn in yep. some way, shape, or form, or else that's it, I've lost the game. Yeah. Like, almost all the time, unless I have, unless I can make use of it first turn, I'm going to side out practically every single trap card that I play with. Like, for example, yeah. when I played Salmon Greats, I sided out Salmon Great Rage and Salmon Great Roar when I know I was going second, and that's just how the game has kind of evolved yep, into it. Yep. And then you want to put in like more spells, you want to put in more, uh, more, uh, and back row removal to at least get rid of the floodgates. Like you have to plan around that now. Yeah. Like siding is completely different. Like I sided yeah. in, for I
1: think one regional I was playing more males. I sided in snowman eaters oh yeah that's what i I mean yeah yeah even though though i knew i was going to think wow gonna set a monster like you can't even do that nowadays and it's like back then you know we could set like doom caliber night right or it's like more and more traps right because we knew the game was going to be a couple of turns back and forth but nowadays it's just like you set a card, you set a trap now or if you set a monster you might die (laughs) yeah it's exactly that like i play the video game
0: when um, when I set up my board on the video game and someone yep. just sets a monster, I'm like, okay, they're done. I've, yep. I've got them. They're yep. screwed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can't you can't do that anymore now. You can't, it's it's harder to play incredibly passive nowadays. You have to be ag- aggressive, <laughs> aggressive, aggressive. And it's kind of steering Yu-Gi-Oh! in a direction where you get all these players that think, okay, aggressive is the way to go. But then when you put them in a format where, like I said, back in Yu-Gi-Oh, you play structure decks, they're gonna think, oh, let's play aggressive, 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 and then they get punished wildly yep. and and that, yep. that's how like i, I won two Oh days in one weekend because i have played against so many players that weren't legacy players that didn't know how to not overextend yep when this whole entire game now it's just put all of your cards on the table can your opponent break it yep. if they can't you win and, and that's that's how the game is yeah. transitioned to and like I, I don't know i don't think it's a like a healthy way of playing the yeah. game but yeah. it's we're way too far down to the rabbit hole yep. to really get out of it unless we completely like destroy the game and rebuild it
1: yeah yeah i think also like you know for nowadays right like the sort of traps that you can use they have to be playable when you yeah permanence evenly yes matched, right like those are huge differences there so yep
0: yeah or they have some sort of beneficiary effect if they're in the graveyard of some kind, some way that you can utilize them.
1: A few years ago, I I think the outreach do that as well. They do stuff when discarded. Right. So it's like, yeah, I mean, it's just a whole different form of thinking and, you know, it kind of then goes back to the hand traps again. Right. Like if you don't have hand traps, right. And like, let's say you did set a monster and you don't have hand traps. Well, you're not going to live. I mean, I, I don't know how likely you know that would be, but or even if you make a board and you don't have hand traps, they could just break yours and then just steamroll you. So it's certainly, I don't want to say partly locked, but you
0: know. yeah. And we're starting to see a lot of cards too that, uh, that don't miss timing anymore. Remember when yeah. we had a lot of cards that would miss timing way back when? Nowadays, um, we don't really have that anymore. Like we have a yeah. lot of optional effects now that if they hit the graveyard in the middle of a the chain, they'll still get yes. their effects off. And that completely adds to the speed of the game where before, like, let's say like for like cross Porter, for example, that was a card that would miss timing um, soggy. No, not Saggy the dark clown. What's a uh, the dark clown. Yep. That would, that would miss timing. But nowadays we're getting so many cards that don't miss timing anymore. So yep. when we bring back a card that can miss timing, like say dupe frog, dupe frog is a card that is commonly yep. played that can miss timing. People are like wondering what the hell does that mean? Yeah. What like what does that do? Like miss timing? I've never heard of that before because we don't see any cards really nowadays that are new yeah. that miss timing, which contribute to the speed, which makes this game a whole lot faster. And thus yeah. you get these bigger combos. So there, there's a lot of just old stuff that doesn't really translate well into like the new age of
1: Yu-Gi-Oh!. Yeah.
0: Which which again is kind of sucks. But it, it's nice yeah, to see that it... some cards kind of get yeah. there.
1: Yeah, it kind of sucks you can't use some old cards, but I think also at the same time if you're trying to grow, or if you're trying to grow, you know, the game, right, and people are coming in, I think the worst thing in the world, right, is for someone to not understand how their cards work. So I, I think in a way that is a good idea. Cards don't miss timing.
0: Yeah, they, I, I can understand that uh, that point of view because you don't want to introduce like, these really old mechanics that existed before but don't exist now into it, and that's going to confuse a whole lot of new players, especially when it's very rare that these kind of things happen. Yep. It just kind of screws, uh, screws over a lot of people, at least in terms of like memory and just trying to be able to learn the game. It's like, oh, well, I'm, gonna, I'm going to like, use this one rule that barely ever gets used, and I'm going to exploit it on you. That I'm probably yep. never going to use again, like for in any other situation. But it just happens that it, it's it it gets crazy. Yeah, I t- I yep. tell you. But again, again, this is this is the the evolution of what Yu-Gi-Oh! was before. Yep. Up until now. Yep. And I, I've played this game again since 2003. I've played it consistently. I've taken a break here and there, but only because I was forced on it. I never want all these breaks I took were not because I chose to. Yeah. But I play this game now until then and like I've seen this game evolve and like holy hell, this is a completely different game from what it was then. I still like it back in the old days. I still yep. will play like in current yep. formats. I'll still like competitively, I'll still try to do my best. I still top regionals here and there, but yep. you know, it's it's still not easy to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think like also I I think one interesting thing, just talking about the evolution, right? But it's like back in the day when we used to have to wait for a ban list, we mm-hmm. would always wait from like sh- or wait for Shriek and stuff like that, right? And it's like if we got the OCG list, then that means we would get one a couple of days away. Yeah. And even that in itself, that's like kind of unheard of, that we would sit there and we would get the cruddiest looking pictures of what the ban list is because it was mm-hmm. inside of a magazine. Yep, and whatnot so that in itself is kind of a forgotten i don't want to call it an art but you know a part of the game
0: yeah because uh, most of the time back then our lists would be the same as the ocg but nowadays we're starting to get like a little bit of different lists now and ban lists back then were released consistently at on the day nowadays we're seeing no sooner than X date. We don't even know when they're gonna come out now. They're starting to come out inconsistently. Like, they used to come out every six, every six months. Okay, we just we knew when it was gonna come out. We could talk about it, and that's it. Nowadays, we say no sooner than like we don't even know when it's gonna come out anymore. I can't even predict a single day where a band list has even come out nowadays, as opposed to what it was before. And this was even still when Konami was doing band lists; they would at least let you know like the uh, yeah. actual day. Nowadays, I don't even know anymore. Yeah, it's, and
1: I don't I don't know if anyone else kind of feels this way, but I kind of have always wanted a TCG and OCG merger. Yeah. With the list, because I honestly kind of feel like you know OCG will get to see cards or have a meta for a few months, then we eventually get it right. So it's like kind of for example, two weeks from now, I think we're going to get Numeron, and <laughs> I think like that's absolutely tearing up the OCG right now. Yeah. So it, it's kind of just like well, I think if it was like unified and then if there was a problem you could hit it but then if it's a problem right like we're only just getting it they've had it right and Mm -hmm. i I kind of think about it in that way and then also it's kind of weird that you know they get you know sets way before us and Mm -hmm. i kind of have always wanted that unified it'd be Mm -hmm. nice to have the same rarities too i mean especially back (laughs) in the day there was a lot of cards that used to be rare and common over in the OCG, and then it would be secret rare here, and, you know, that would be quite painful. But, I mean, that's something I kind of always, you know, kind of wanted. Because even, like, Sky Striker was so big. Mm -hmm. I mean, it still tops, like, in the OCG, but it's, like, it was big for so long, just dominating, and then it's just like, uh uh-oh, there's going to be a storm coming in the TCG, and it's going to take over, you know, and Mm -hmm. then it's, like, finally got it. And then it's, like, then we had to deal with it for... You know, a year or whatever, you know, so I, I wouldn't mind some unity there, but I don't know what the restrictions are on that or why you can't do that. But that'd be something cool,
0: yeah. I'm not sure why that is, uh, myself, why they haven't yeah. decided to unify. It. I mean, they do get like one set earlier than us, yeah, and you're right, they do get some kind of get exclusives, but we're starting to get exclusives now too. It's happening, it's been happening for a while. Like Grandmaster of the Samurai, that was one of the exclusives that the TCG had for a while before OCG happened, so at least there's a bit of role reversal on that regards like we got dangers they didn't have dangers for a while yeah either yep. so we're we seeing that but i i don't know there's just some cards that ocg has had and if we got them i feel like the meta would just be way too chaotic like if we had summon sorcerers and needle fiber in the same format i feel yeah. like i feel that would be a chaotic and the game would go to hell if yeah. that were to happen. So that, I, that-
1: that one probably benefited us yeah you're right on that yeah
0: so that that's why i'm okay with not quite sticking up with japan because japan's meta is absolutely crazy but at yeah. the same time they can also be very balanced as well too it's it, it's one of those like it's it's case by case format by format
1: yeah i yeah, can't really sure. be con-
0: it's it's not yeah. consistent
1: so it's it's hard to tell yeah.
0: sometimes it's, yeah. japan's better yeah. sometimes we're better
1: yeah. yeah, there's a lot of things you always just think about and think, like, what if? Because then, like, also back to the Needle Fiber and, like, summon Sorceress, it's like, if we would have had Needle Fiber a little, like, sooner maybe, like, same time OCG had, like, yeah. they would have took care of it by now. But now it's just, like, it's absolutely wrecking everything right now.
0: Yeah, I, I found that to be kind of poor oh. on Konami's part because at least when Upper Deck was running the game, they would pre-restrict certain cards they knew yeah. that there would be like a big there'd be a big like power grab and yeah. that's not what we wanted but with konami you don't see like cards that appear broken they just yeah. leave it at three and just let let the card run rampant until like maybe a format or two later it's like okay now we're finally going to restrict it yeah it, it's yeah. i think that's i think that's a problem as well
1: that konami has with at yeah. least like limiting or restricting cards i can't remember the last time konami's done that yeah, and people would know better than me, right? But it's like you know, I we we definitely knew needle fiber was coming, right? But it's just like even if they would have put that to one, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that solves anything, but at least that's saying that you're aware of the problem and you're doing something with it, as opposed to saying, "Here's three, how about it?" Yeah, and that's so that's a very good better point. Than nothing, but yeah,
0: yeah, it's a very good point that they're making right now. At least it shows yeah. that. You know, Kamai has at least some awareness of what's going on with the game, as opposed to just here you go, have fun, and then kind of see everything kind of burn a bit with these FTKs, OTKs, and like these these decks just like going to hell and destroying everybody on the first turn. It's like we can't really play the game if you keep power creeping these cards like that and not like restricting them in some way, shape, or form. It's just no, have this fun card that's like worth a hundred plus dollars and go nuts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of curious. I mean, kind of another thing thinking here with Konami, but I'm just wondering if they do look at the results of these online tournaments mm-hmm. and if that impacts them as well. And mm-hmm. I kind of always was on under- TCG may not always have the ability to touch any cards, right? Because in the yep. end, right, it is owned by Konami of Japan, right? Mm-hmm. Or someone, right? But it's just like, I'm kind of hoping that, you know, they kind of see the problems going on right now. It's cool that the game has evolved, right? But then it's just like, well, now we're going to be getting Numeron too. And then we're going to be getting Dragma Mm -hmm. next month. And it's just like, things are really going to explode. We're going to get that Red Eyes Dragoon or whatever his name is. Like, I'm aware of cards and sets. I mean, I still like to, you know, follow up on things and know what's Mm -hmm. coming and all that. But I'm just hoping that, you know, maybe we could do some things, but. I, I don't know. It kind of seems like, yeah, we're just going to get whatever cards and then, you know, have some fun with it. If mm-hmm. you would even call that fun, yep. it's probably fun to someone out there, but you know, then after a while they'll hit it. But then also I kind of feel like instead of actually hitting a problem card, they hit the other cards that kind of like go into something, right. Instead of just going right for the throat. I, I've, so.
0: I've seen Konami at least do that a little bit more now that they're also getting a little bit of foresight with, Taking out some cards that they know will be a problem in the future, like for instance, Glow Bob got the axe. Yeah. So and, and that was probably because of Needle Fiber coming out. So at least they're having some foresight beforehand. But I yep. think nowadays the players want some more transparency between Konami and their player base. Like for for example, uh, Wizards of the Coast and Magic. Every time they release a, a new ban list, they at least go out and explain why this is yeah we don't get that with Konami at all.
1: And I, I so actually, I don't know if this was Konami or Upper deck, but somebody at some point did post a list and they explained the reasons. I swear. I'm not imagining that, but it was just for one band list and they kind of explain things. And I was just like, that's great. Like you're telling us what you're thinking, why you did something right. Like, and I actually really like that on Duel links, if you ever play Duel links at all, but they kind of give reasons and they say, oh, this card makes things unfair, mm-hmm. or like this skill, you know, it was just, it wasn't allowing people to play or, you know, they just made alterations to make it less broken. And, you know, I, I respect that because it's like, I kind of want to know what you're thinking. Yeah, and there's no harm in that. Yeah, I don't
0: play Duel Links, but I definitely see that on other people's posts and I think that's a good step that Konami is taking towards Duel Links, but I would definitely love to see that in the actual card game itself. So at least players can you know, have a better sense of providing feedback to Konami to kind of make the game a little bit better. Cuz uh, you yeah. know, we we do have Drew McHale on the other end of things who was again he was another mod on Pojo and he would help out and he used to play a bunch too yeah. and he's transitioned over now into working for Konami. And, but you're
1: good. Yeah. Oh no! I was going to say, and if you forgot, he actually went to my locals in Pittsburgh. So that's something oh, a lot of know. people would not know. So oh,
0: I didn't know that.
1: <laughs> that that was probably past your time. So I, I knew right. that he even went to you know college around here, and then you know he was really big in the judging, as you know, right? And then just oh, eventually, okay. then he moved out to California, and then you know that was his career in life, and you know that's up. But
0: oh, I didn't know that. That's that's actually fascinating, yep. though. But you know, I I yep. see this a lot with uh, like the fighting game community that you know the the companies would start to take in like professional players to actually go in and take their take their input on the game to kind of get like, a player's perspective but you yeah. know we don't get a whole lot of that in in the Yu-Gi-Oh scene uh, as far as I know it's just Terrell McHale is the only person I can think of offhand that as has made that transition from like being a very yeah. good player because he's topped a while. he's topped into that before he's topped a shonen Jump before and tr- making yeah. that transition over now into like now he's working with RD department and you know you don't see a lot of you don't hear about a lot of like good staff that yeah. were like formerly like top players in Yu-Gi-Oh. It's just something, something you don't see anymore. I mean, correct me if yeah. I'm wrong. I'd, I'd love to be proven wrong.
1: No, I, I, I mean I, I think that's right, but I, yeah, I also think that. You know kind of in our world we may think that something's a problem but you know i guess maybe we don't own the rights or something to that right and there could be a lot of back and forth saying yeah well you want this well how about this instead so, yeah. but yeah i mean kind of in general i'd kind of love i would love to hear like input and i would love for konami to listen to the players especially like these big name players you were talking about in today's day mm-hmm. you know day and age and all that I, I think they would have great input on that but you know i'm kind of curious it's just it's like well let's say the next ban list right mm-hmm. like let's say i'm not even sure if this is maybe the most accurate thing to say but let's say that they ban jet synchron mm-hmm. that's a card i hear about a whole lot yep. right and it's a big card for needle fiber mm-hmm. but then it's just like well instead of just touching needle fiber right then it's like well first you touch glow well mm-hmm. now you touch jet synchron then maybe you'll touch that Mecha phantom beast line or lion yep. or whatever right And it's just like i want to hear your thought process on that you know because it's just that's kind of the example i meant like instead of just going right for the throat you're doing other things and then it's just i think that that problem still going to be there and people are going to find other ways to you know break
0: it yeah and i'd love uh, for our viewers who are tuning into this i'd love to know what your thoughts about uh having some more transparency between the player base and konami themselves if you think that you know they're doing if they're good right now, or if you think that there should be more transparency or less transparency, I'd love to find out everyone else's opinions on that. So definitely drop a comment below, but uh, we're starting to get uh, past to our time friend. So, I mean, it was great having you on board. We've gone through. Yeah. yeah, We've, I mean, we've gone through the evolution of how the game was before and how it was then. And like I said, you've been a prominent figure in how the game was before, maybe not so much in like, the Shonen Jump Circuit, yeah. but I mean, you've talked a lot of regions then. We've both been moderators on Pojo.com, which again, arguably sure. the biggest forum yep. there. So we've seen it all happen right before uh, our sure. eyes, and we've played roughly at the same yeah. time up until now, and it's, it's kind of amazing to see this a game kind of follow through i mean i, I mean that was that's what happens with most of these games the that last long. yeah it, it yeah. really yeah. has yeah. and <laughs> I'm, big... I'm sure
1: a lot of people listening to this right now like they probably never even heard of pojo they never even heard of me right but it's just you know i i kind of once was you know a figure and you know whatnot of the game so yeah but, and yeah uh, it just kind of goes to show again you know that people can stay in the game a while or you know kind of just move on and whatnot and then kind of just with anything right you'll always have new people coming in old people leaving and you know whatnot but i mean i would say it looks like konami's doing a lot of right stuff because you don't just go from having two 300 person tournaments back in the day to you know upwards to four thousand, like somewhere like cali and all that and it's like i think if people are really upset with what they were doing then I think that they wouldn't go. So the fact that the game continues to grow, I think that they're doing some, you know, good things and that's great that we have, you know, a lot of young minds in the game and uh, you know, hopefully they can motivate, you know, some other younger people and keep this game going.
0: Yeah, I think that's an absolutely fantastic point. You know, it gets – and, you know, regionals have been uh, very enjoyable even in these, like, weird fast formats because, you know, we're seeing all these players come out. And, and that's what you want, right? You, you, you don't want to go to a local that has, like, five, six people. You want to go to a local that has, you know, like 20, 30 people. And I've, I've seen sure. that evolve in my own card shop as well. I've seen it go from, like, eight people up to, like, I'm getting, like, 20, 30 people a local and like in a town of, like, 87,000. So it's it's yeah. fantastic to to see that yeah. kind of thing, and I and I think you make a very good point on you know Konami had to be doing doing something right if we're seeing attendance yeah. go up, and this and this game is kind of evolving to what it is now. So I, I like I like what you said. Yeah. There.
1: yeah, yeah. I think also just you know in the end, you know, I just wish nothing but the best for you know all the areas and whatnot like i mean even though you know konami is doing part of it to grow the game i think also you know kind of the local shops right like you got to get your name out there Mm -hmm. like grow your audience right yeah grow your tournaments right and then just from there that's you know the only way you can get bigger and you know get better i guess too so
0: and it's definitely nice to see these you know like local shops kind of grow like this in attendance too because that's always that's always good for business and you want to and you want to see these local shops thrive like i've got we we have I have two local stores in, in my town now of eighty seven thousand people, and before almost always there just used to be one, and it's just nice to see yeah. that you know I can go to two different places. I work for I work at one of them, which yeah. is nice. But you yeah. know just having and- that
1: availability. Yeah. And I still say like, I'm, I'm not basing this off anything, just using logic, but I honestly feel like there's a lot more players out there or people that collect the cards, but it's just, they don't know where to go or they don't know that there's a competitive scene, you know, or it's just, maybe there's people that just watch the shows and that's how they like play and like collect. Right. But you know, there's a whole different realm or world to this game, you know, and you can take it to a whole different level if you choose to. And that was a really good resource for me because I travel out of town a lot and
0: I love playing at several different kinds of locals. I mean, that's how I found out the locals in Pittsburgh, like talking to you. And then I would also look up online. So it was a great resource for me to be able to travel all over the place and play at these different places. So it's really nice to see these places grow. And at least we know that the game of Yu-Gi-Oh! is still growing. Because, again, as you mentioned, uh, the population and the attendance has been rising over the years, which is nice to see. I mean, again, I'd rather have more people than less people at at a tournament.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely just really hope right now, just with this pandemic and all that, because, you know, we're all wondering like, well, there, there may be some areas that do like locals, but it's just like the things that they're, you know, having to do, you know, it's just awful. And I just hope that we, you know, come to a, good resolution here because even i was thinking i'm like if i go to a regional or ycs you know are you going to space out the tables put up plexiglass have a mask on you know keep six feet apart like how are can we like pre-register maybe to kind of help things and yeah. i think you and i both agree that you you have players i mean not all of them but you know some they're you know pretty dirty they don't like to shower and all that <laughs> then, then yeah. when you hear about a pandemic it's just like you know that's not a good mixture i, I don't feel too good about, you know, the future a little bit. But, you know, I hope for nothing but the best and hopefully we find a solution to things going on right now and we can continue to grow the game. Well, I'm hoping that's going to be one
0: positive that comes out of this pandemic because we got a little bit more, uh, you know, sanitation standards within our players because it's definitely a stereotype, but we made it for a reason. It's it's in the rule book now that you can not have somebody because they're uh, not quite good at the hygiene. But nonetheless, I have Jeffrey Lang here. Senior Blanco eighty eight on YouTube. He's got four K subs. I will put the link down below in our description if you wanna check out his channel. Jeff, thanks so much for being here with me again, kind of discussing yep,
1: thank you for the invite yeah.
0: evolution of the game and just kind of taking me back on a time travel. Uh, any shout outs you wanna give before we head out? Uh
1: Yeah, I mean, not really in particular. I mean, like I said, like, I don't really know that many people that play anymore. I mean, certainly to you. um, And, you know, you're more than welcome to, you know, if you want to send me this podcast, I'll post it on my channel. I'll definitely be sharing it up on Facebook. And hopefully, you you know, some people listen to this and, you know, get nostalgic or kind of get an idea of how (laughs) things used to be and how things have, you know, evolved. But, yeah, that's really it. I I don't like go to locals or anything anymore. So that's why I don't, you know, kind of have any shout outs or anything. But yeah, I'm. I'm just uh, happy that you're doing these podcasts because there's really no one out there that's doing that right now. So I hope that this really you know takes off for you and becomes a thing. So.
0: That's what I'm hoping, man. The first full fledged journalist to actually do a Yu Gi Oh podcast, and that's that's the goal here. I'm hoping to get big. I really appreciate that. This is Jeffrey Lang, Senior Blanco, eighty eight on YouTube. Subscribe to him. Links below. Thank you for joining us. This is week number three for the Gate Expectations podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Hopefully next week I'll be bringing in another guest who always might call himself the best. This is the Gate Expectations podcast. Thank you so much for joining in. Don't forget to like and subscribe. For more information, check out the Gate Expectations podcast on YouTube, Facebook, Patreon, Twitter, and Spotify.